BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. <laughs> Tonight, we got them. Goldie and the Salt. And it starts right now. Oh, welcome back to another episode of A Typical Disgusting Display, a podcast for writers, by writers who hate writing. And also, welcome back, Goldie. Oh, boy. Am I I still part of the podcast? I don't know. We missed you. (laughs) Oh, you did? Yeah. So Badly. What happened? (laughs) Well, first of all, before, we just want to hear what were your top five moments of the podcast that you weren't in? Let's just list them. So number five was... Haven't cut it. Oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) I knew it. First joke of the day. First joke of the day. Oh, and let, of me course, a- let me double ask you insult. something. Let me ask you something. Yeah. Mick Jagger puts out a solo album. How long does it take Keith Richards to listen to it? Like, does, <laughs> he doesn't run to the store. By and the way, I'm just honored that you would consider me Mick or me and JC Mick combined to your Keith. Yes, thank you. Yeah, that's very nice of you. That's nice. I, the way I looked at it was uh, was Ringo and that oafish redhead from the, the Get Back documentary. <laughs> I, I did just, a podcast. I don't understand what happened. We all agreed we're going on vacation. No way. Yeah, yeah. You wanted a vacation. I thought JC wanted a vacation. I thought we all agreed. We've we worked did. really hard. Let's take a vacation. Then around Wednesday, Thursday, there's this rumbling of like, I want to do this. I want to do that. And it's like, why? We're on vacation. We're and on then you vacation. Say, Can I do it? I say, Absolutely. Yeah. Go do it. But now the tables have turned to where it's like, well, you didn't listen to it. It's like, I didn't want to do it. I told you not to do it. It's a you vacation. Did it. From it, it was a podlet. It was just a podlet. How, how did it go? Tell me everything. Oh, boy. Well, first of all, I was half drunk. I'd come home half? from dinner when we did it. Half. Yes. Only half. My upper half. My head and my, okay. my torso was drunk. And also, I should have said, it, it's not like Ringo and the, and the Oafish redhead. It would be like Ringo and Yoko. Doing a pod, doing oh, a podcast. Easy, easy. Yeah. I'm just saying that's a better analogy, given okay. <laughs> given what given... I look like and what you look like. I look a little like Ringo. You look more like Yoko than that's anyone true. else on this podcast. Yes. There's the magic the fans love. <laughs> <laughs> well, by the way, this was a good one for you to skip, and you know why? Because we did that thing that I wanted to do that you didn't want to do, which was going through the soundboard and listening to the cues. So you didn't have to do that. That's and how did it go? It was very fun, was but the fun. bad the bad news is we skipped a few, so we're gonna have to go back for soundboard part two. So let me know when you're available for that. Okay. Any feedback oh, on it? 
heard oh, from yeah. anybody? Yeah, the emails are pouring in saying, I mean, "Bring Goldie back. <laughs> Where's Goldie? It's very I want flattering. my money. I want my money back for this yeah. free podcast." This is not what I signed up for. <laughs> no, we missed you. You left really a, did. a gaping hole yeah. in between my butt cheeks. <laughs> That's what she said. You left. <laughs> I just thought it was so funny that you wanted to do it. Well, it Goldie, but but the 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 reason in the moment. Was that because we did the our last podcast together was the yes. you know schmuck bait are we going to keep going mm-hmm. episode and as you pointed out earlier before we started a lot of people were kind of fooled by yeah. that they didn't see it as schmuck bait they were like actually well they're schmucks yeah they're, they're schmucks fooled. they're schmucks <laughs> they took the no, bait a person who wasn't a schmuck knew instantly we <laughs> instantly. were never going to cancel the podcast <laughs> right but the you saw that there were we got more emails about that episode than anyone we've done. And yeah, they, they were, all they were landed so nice. in my schmuck folder at Gmail, which I don't check as much. <laughs> right. Well, if if you had bothered to read them, they were so kind yes, that were. then I was sort of filled with the spirit of like, let's just get something, even a <laughs> tiny thing out for them, a drop of water in the desert. You are co- so insecure. I am. Well, this is underneath isn't, it all. Boy, dog bites man. That your paper's well, going out of business. Yeah. Oh, like you're Mr. Secure. Well, I mean, this actually <laughs> kind of goes nicely into what I want to talk about this week, which is Please. Um, well, you now, may notice my voice is yeah, a little, it's a little hoarse today. I don't know. It sounds oh. it's a, well. It's a little it off. Lee okay. Horsley sounds better. Um, but you're you're freshly shaved and haircutted. Yeah, you look great. You look ten years younger. I would, yeah, well, that was my first. You. And he, here's why, everyone, because okay. yesterday. Yes. I acted. Oh. I acted. Yes. In a Wait. production. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> all right. See, look at that. That's what that soundboard episode did. Yes. <laughs> it, we got out all the stuff. Um, look, so, he was thrown off by his own I'm voice. Sorry. <laughs> uh, did I do that? Yes. Did I do that? Did, did I? I do that? That was me? Yeah. Yes. It's you uh, from an old Holy shit. I have no memory of that. <laughs> Neither did I, honestly. JC cool. added an effect to it. Yeah. yeah. Right, I don't so, remember so, saying it. I love so it. you acted professionally. Yes, yes. I acted yesterday. professionally. So here's what happened is I've been writing on the show Ted, which is based on the movies, and this is going to come out on Peacock something like next May. Maybe. Oh. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so when you do the table reads of the scripts, a lot of times they haven't cast some of the, the guest parts prior to the table, so the, a writer will step in and read one of the parts. Now, And you did several during the I table did several reads, of and them, you were great. And, and of course, the dance with them is to say like, hey, I'm a writer, I'm just reading it. Well, inside going, I'm going to try to get this part. <laughs> yes, of course. I want it so bad. Uh, I yeah. want to be an actor more than anything. I hate writing. I just want to act, but I can't let anyone know that I'm harboring these secret thoughts. So I'll just be super low key about it. And then at the table, try to blow them away. And then afterwards, where they're, when they say, Oh, we should think about having you do it. Just going like, Oh yeah. I don't know. I mean, if you think so, I mean, that would be cool. So I, I, I do this dance and really like I, I do the best I can to try to give this performance at the table. And then people started talking about, you know, you it was great, hilarious, by the way. I heard you, I heard you do it. You I were playing it, it. Uh, playing a teacher and you were awesome. It was yeah, very funny. Yeah. And of course, it's a character that has a giant angry meltdown. So Perfect. <laughs> on brand. Typecast. So but then there start started to be rumblings of, well, let's have you do it. And, and I had to go just for writers out there who harbor any 
aspirations of being a performer. And I've learned this a lot of them through difficult experience. When someone says we should think about using you, or if you think you should be considered, the last thing you should do is put yourself up for it or tell anybody you want (laughs) to do it. Because that only lets them know, A, they have a bullet that they can use to manipulate you. Right. B, you're actually not fully invested in the job you're being paid to do. Right. Oh, and right. C, you're an egomaniac. Right. <laughs> Desperate so it's egomaniac. A, it's bad for your career. It's a bad look personally. So when I start hearing the rumblings of, oh, you should do this, 10 years ago, I would have said, I need to go to Seth and make a plea for myself and make my right. case. Now I'm older, I'm bald, but I got a few moves. And so I say, a few people say that, and I say to me, I make a little joke. I go, yeah, I mean, if you think you can get me, you should try. (laughs) Oh, it's good. good. Don't say anything else. That's good. Walk away. So anyway, I think, and then I hear like you're being considered for this part, and I just, I put all that talk out of my head because I know it will drive me crazy because I so desperately want it. Don't want to admit it, but it's all I care about in my life. Of course. (laughs) Yeah, I get it. So, So then, like, as this is going on concurrently, like, we're supposed to come back to Family Guy. This part is in episode six. I know that Ted starts shooting August 1st, but I say there's August 1st to 6th is this blank week in my schedule. And for the first time in forever since COVID, whatever, I can take a vacation. So I miraculously find a house by the beach in Del Mar that is not taken. Like someone must have canceled and I looked it up on Airbnb that exact moment. So I take the house and I'm about to go on this vacation. Then I get a call. maybe july 27th like good news you've been cast and i figure great in two months i'll get to go to the family guy room and go fuck you guys seth wants me to do an acting part i can't come in for a week right but instead what happens is they say and good news we're shooting episode six first and we're shooting your scenes the first three days and it's like Why the fuck would that happen that it would coincide with the exact days that I've booked a vacation? Oh, a lot of shows like to start with episode six. It's kind of I I don't know about JC. Have you done any acting? I know you've done a lot of modeling. Uh, Yeah, she was in. uh, We built this city music video. (laughs) Has she done acting? No, I I shot um, a Crystal Light commercial, but was edited out. Okay. But you didn't believe in yourself enough? I kind believe of. in Crystal <laughs> Light because I believe in me. me. So <laughs> yes. when you when you act a lot, I imagine you have uh, procedures in place, mental procedures to deal with these anxieties. But, yeah. you know, Alec and I do it so sporadically that yeah. when I get the part, the first thing that comes into my head is I'll never be able to memorize this. <laughs> I'm going to get ah, up there. Yeah. I'm going to fumble. Everyone's going to be standing around. And uh, and looking at me, and I will lose the words and be totally humiliated and fuck up the production. Yeah, and so really this magic. process starts immediately, and I just start trying to learn <laughs> yeah, it the makes lines me nervous in spite about of these feelings. And then I know from experience on TED2 what will happen is that as I get closer to the shooting, my stomach will become weird, and I'll have a burp <laughs> caught in my throat no matter what I do. And that my... Pulse will be like 150. I'll be right. unable to calm down. And in, in the sports movie of my life, the close-up shot of the doctor in Ted 2 
that was my big line where my <laughs> eye started uncontrollably twitching right. is the missed shot at the beginning of the basketball right. movie. It oh. is like, yeah. in my head, is like, you had this opportunity. <laughs> so we both make fun of actors and acting a lot on this All podcast and say it's, oh, well, it's so easy well whatever. We should, yeah. But <laughs> when you get there and you're going, okay, these cameras are here, can't look at them. These people are all around, can't acknowledge them. I have to definitely step on these spots at these times. I have to have control of the words. I have to do things in relatively the same way so they match up consistently. And I have to do this scene as many times and as many different ways on command as the director wants me to do. You (laughs) suddenly go, oh, wait. Like, I was just the guy watching on TV saying, like, this looks easy. And now I'm the person doing it going, like... I don't know how to do this. So right. I've developed some tools thanks to several years of psychotherapy to manage my anxieties around these areas. And it's like the relaxation response. I'm able to control my breathing. Mm. I'm able to stop the cycling of my thoughts and acknowledge them and just say they're just thoughts. These are just feelings. They're not real. And so I'm, I'm bringing these tools to it. I'm getting some momentum. Yeah, the train good. is going. I got the line. I spent a lot of time learning the lines. Right. And then I get to rehearsal and I just fucking don't know the lines. At all. <laughs> I'm like, God fucking damn it. So then I, I'm back in my trailer going like, you know, I don't want to disappoint Seth. And, and in the back of our heads, anytime you get any part, you're just going, I do this. I'm, it leads to a million other things. I'm oh, star- yeah. Which the is sitcom. the it's yeah. the flip side of these anxieties, right? Because it's it's just more anxiety. It's positive anxiety. Like, you're, right. Because you're building up this thing that you could have that you are saying, I'm going to blow and not going to get. So, right. And then another thing that no one tells you about acting is like, imagine I told you, you're going to wear shoes the entire day that are not yours. <laughs> you're right. What would you say? You'd go, I don't want to wear someone else's fucking shoes. That's super uncomfortable and weird. I'll feel weird. I'll, yes. You're wearing these clothes. They're not yeah. your clothes. It's yeah. fucking weird. That's <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah, I never thought of that, but you're so right. You're it's like, just, these are not my socks. I would never pick these socks out. They're too tight and weird. Yeah, you're aware every second that you're not in your own clothes. Of everything. Right. Like yeah. you're not you. So I go to the stage and then I'm, I'm just doing it, and I, I feel like I'm, it's going pretty well. And I'm in the scene with – and I really am, like, letting myself go and lose it in these scenes. And as I'm doing it, I'm Acting seeing myself yelling. on the monitor, and I'm, like, I'm getting it. Like, I'm going, oh, I can do this. I, I see what I can do better. And Penny Johnson, who played Larry yeah. – this isn't Larry yeah. Sanderson. She's been in a million other things. but yeah. um, Orville. She gave me oh, yeah. a, a huge compliment in between takes. She said, you, you remind me a lot of Jeffrey – meaning tambor she said oh, wow. and i was oh. in my head i'm like oh because i'm fucking bald right um and she said because the way you go for it in such a genuine way that oh. reminded me of jeffrey and so oh that's wow. awesome i wow. felt yeah. like oh my god what a generous thing for her to say even Wait. if it was bullshit yeah, i got goosebumps just thinking yes about that wow i can't but, think of a better compliment yeah, for real. to be compared to. anyway so i i felt like the whole thing went well and one of the things that i <laughs> i learned in over the course of years in therapy and that my therapist told me to practice was like what I tend to do and what people with anxiety tend to do is you build up bad, 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 bad. And then when it, if it goes well or however it goes, it finishes and you just go, okay, it finished. Now, how do I feel bad about it in the past? What did I miss? Or like, what's the next thing to feel bad about it? And he said, like, you have to take some moments and just go, Hey, I overcame it. Cause they, when they went to my close up 
Guess what didn't happen in the sports move? No, Your eye, eye was still as a, as a fucking, lake. My eyes were locked down, <laughs> and I just reined it in from three with a yes. fucking eye contest. So I, I, it was like all the work in that moment oh, so paid great. off. And so I am allowing myself to say, hey, that was hard, not necessarily in the abstract, but for you. That was very difficult. A lot went into it. I'm walking to my car. I'm going, you can feel good about this. Congrats. There's some real signs of growth here. You're finally getting it. It's like 7 p.m. I go, I'm going to just go home. I'm going to have a nice dinner, and I'm going to drive down to Del Mar because they've released me to go to my vacation. I reach my car. I have a flat tire. Oh, no. Are you kidding? No. Oh, Oh, my my Lord. So how long were you spent dealing with that? Hours. Oh. But it just, it's like one of those hilarious things about show business that you and I know is like, they'll never give it to you. No. You'll you'll never get to feel good about anything, no matter what happens. Yeah, exactly. You know who put put a nail in that tire? Penny Johnson. I know. <laughs> She's evening you out. Fucking that, amateur. But, well, first of all, congratulations. Yeah, and I can't wait real. to see it because you were awesome in that table read. So if you did that, it's going to be hilarious. And and by the yeah. way, that, that show is going to be funny, I think. I've, I've been seeing a lot of the tables and laughing a lot. Yay. It's something that you brought up, and I have to, I have to bring it up because yes. I, I'm proud of what an asshole I was in the past. Uh, not anymore. Sure. But so Danny Smith, we talk about him all the time. He just did the Goosebumps line. He's going to be our yes. guest coming up. So Danny had the experience you're describing when he was cast in the first TED. He was mm. cast as a waiter at a restaurant where uh, Mark Wahlberg and, and uh, Mila Kunis were having a date. And so <laughs> I cannot believe this happened, but it did. And we can talk about it when he comes on. Before the... Before the scene started, I found Danny, who was like, you know, nervous, as you described, like Mm -hmm. thinking about, I got to get this right, whatever. (laughs) And I told Danny that Seth really wanted the waiter to have a French accent, a thick French (laughs) accent. Oh, my God. (laughs) Which, of course, wasn't true at all. And so then they start doing takes of the scene, and Seth is turning around and looking at me and Wellesley like, can you fucking believe this shit? Oh, my oh God. no. Uh, but then, of course, we told Seth that they, we're laughing too hard. We're like, we told him to do that. So, they, you know, he, he got it right and he nailed it. But it was that was a fun moment. That's and I, hilarious. I'm glad that I did not do that with you. And yeah. you never would have bought it for no. me. Right. Danny's, Danny's much more earnest. Like, he, he actually sees the good in people. So Aww. it's like, you know. Well, I, nice... I, I, to turn this to writing, though, which I wanted to do, because supposedly that's the focus of this podcast. Um, yeah, questionable. It's just so enlightening as a writer to have to act even in one scene, because I, I had like one kind of half page speech in it. And, yeah. you know, you, you start really noticing like, Oh God, that's hard to say. That's weird. That doesn't feel right. No matter what I do, that feels like a jarring transition. I will just encourage anyone out there. Like if, if you want to, it's sort of a way of like tap testing your writing. Like if you, you, like if you built a plane and you're walking around the plane or stress testing your writing, say it's like, Film yourself trying to do it yeah. Yeah. and oh, see real. what happens because it is not what you think it is. I was there for the writing of the scenes and, I, and then when I started doing it, and it's so funny how then after I'm walking my dog today, I'm like, oh, I, I could, it's like I know how to do the job now that I did it, but I, the work was only for that day and now I don't know if I'll ever get to do it again. But you it's like, will. just put me back in, now I, I can see. do it. Yeah. Well, by the way, you're that teacher now. 
you know, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. that's that's what's cool about it is if they ever want to do another classroom scene with that funny teacher yeah. who goes off the rails, then you're there. No, but I just want to be an actor now. Yeah, yeah. I know. You should be. Well, I remember we went through this on Dad's when uh, Peter Riegert uh, <laughs> had a heart attack. Jeez. I don't know why I'm laughing, laughing at that. It wasn't a heart attack. He had like was an, a stress, an episode. Yeah. A stress episode that it was, you know, we, we all pictured him not wanting to put on the tidy whitey underwear that he fought us for and then collapsing <laughs> in a corner. Um, but Goldie stood in for Peter Riegert for like one or two of our dress rehearsals. And I actually have that great photo of you and Seth Green acting together, which you oh, signed wow. for me. It was like, <laughs> you signed Stay in School, Goldie, which was hilarious. But you, you nailed that then. Oh, and, and it's funny because I then I feel like, as you said, 10 years ago, you had a different attitude. You had a different attitude about acting. Or I think your attitude then was like, these guys are frauds. We can, anyone can do this. Well, multicam, as you're doing it, you know, just in front of the audience, is much easier than this sort of technical film acting where they're getting very close on you. Then they're turning the camera around, getting very, I mean, you're doing yeah. 20 takes of the same lines and you have to make sure they're not meaningless. And then when you're doing it and you're on them, like you have to give just as good a performance so they can react to you in a way. And actually Penny Johnson explained this to me. She said, not because I was doing it wrong, but because she, she was actually saying like, I appreciate that you're do on not your side like you're you're still going for it because she said what ends right. up happening is if you take off when they're on your back then your intensity won't match the person will be responding to a different level of intensity yeah. than yes. the one when they were on you yeah, and so yeah. everyone will think you were overacting in your scenes right because you were downplaying it and causing yeah. the other person to have a lower energy level on their side. They, which I they call that they call that the Shatner conundrum. <laughs> <laughs> but that's Goldie, that's so awesome. Congratulations. It, for real. And, uh, Can't wait to so, see it. So uh, speaking of jarring transitions, Goldie, it's time <laughs> to do a jarring transition in to Johnny Jokes. From Hollywood, now is special guest star Pete Holmes. Here's Johnny. Here we go. Uh, Johnny Carson jokes kill yep. us every week. All right, let's yep. start off. Start We've off. had two weeks, so I'm sure these are even better. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> don't say that. God damn it. Oh, here we go. So The best so jokes you've ever heard. Here we go. <laughs> Shit. Uh, let's start off with a soft jab. Uh, some sad news. NBA legend Bill Russell has passed away at the age of 88. He gone. Uh, yeah, he gone. <laughs> Uh, the 11-time Celtic champion will be laid to rest in San Francisco and Oakland simultaneously. Uh, I get it. He's his, tall. He's tall. His family says he's six feet under and seven feet across. Uh, all right. Next one. This next one is a Goldie-style joke. I'm going to tell this one in the style of Goldie. Oh. Oh, boy. So despite over 20 allegations of sexual misconduct... Cleveland Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson received only a six-game suspension from an independent arbitrator. Uh, not all players are happy with the decision, adding that they will be protesting during the national anthem by taking a dick. <laughs> <laughs> taking a dick. Thank taking you. a dick. <laughs> taking a dick. Uh, I just heard the go. word dick. 
Yeah, you ever tell a joke that has the word dick in it and it doesn't get a laugh? <laughs> Thank you. I don't, I don't need these further deconstructioned. Right. <laughs> <laughs> here we go. Here, we get into some old-fashioned comedy here. A judge uh, has dismissed a lawsuit accusing Bob Dylan of sexually abusing a minor in the 1960s. Yeah. Uh, when reached for comment, a clearly relieved Dylan said, Zaba Zeba, who do we? <laughs> you're, you're the first person to that. Yeah, I, I didn't know if anyone knew that he talked funny. It's friendly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Goldie, you're going to love this one. Uh, it was reported last week that there is widespread discrimination against homosexuals in the Russian army. Uh, undeterred, some of the victims have created a website to highlight the issue. You can learn more at georgsgeorg.net. <laughs> That's georgsgeorg.net. I, I made fun of your jokes, but you'll soon see uh, it was like bluffing in poker. <laughs> I have nothing. Yeah, second go. Johnny. The New York Post reports an attractive woman has been luring men to luxury New York City hotels, having sex with them, and then stealing all their belongings. Yeah, it's a new scam cops are calling marriage. <laughs> okay. Applebee's. Applebee's is testing a new product in its Alabama locations. A lipstick that's flavored like chicken. Oh. Yeah. Early reviews are positive, with men saying that their sister's lips taste delicious. Oh, my God. Okay. Not where I was expecting it. <laughs> Twists and turns, my friend. <laughs> After taking Paxlovid and recovering, President Biden now has contracted COVID-19 a second time. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, fortunately, doctors say he's doing great. In fact, just this morning, he got up out of bed and fell down. <laughs> uh, not a, not a young Even guy. I don't like that. Joke, but you you got to hit the big issues. <laughs> that would, Johnny would have told it. Johnny would have told uh, it. Yeah. Well, remember, these are Carson-style jokes. <laughs> the band Kiss has announced its farewell tour. Right. Frontman Gene Simmons said even though he's 73 and completely exhausted, he couldn't resist the urge to put on the makeup and rip off the fans one last time. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, oh, boy. So, somehow having a witness to these makes them infinitely more humiliating. Oh, no. Yeah, no, I agree. When it's well, just us. You heard it. So it's infinitely more humiliating to bomb when there's someone else here. Although, oh, wait a minute. There's no one else here because Pete is having technical difficulties. Pete, oh, okay, he's back. There he is. I've probably said this on like 12 podcasts now, but I pay an extra whatever it is, 100 bucks yeah. a month <laughs> to right. have a dedicated Ethernet connection yeah. to this computer. Okay. And still motherfucking zoom i'm guessing uh, still okay. sucks an ass sometimes i don't know yeah i have yeah. a theory about this it's that hair takes a lot of bandwidth <laughs> so you have a beautiful head of hair trouble streaming your head and face yes. it was me crystal clear Crystal and crystal light. Well, first of all, Pete, you, you jumped in so graciously. You didn't even get a fucking proper intro. Oh, yeah. let, 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 let me one. let me do the big drum roll here. Okay. <clears throat> okay. okay. And now it's six foot five and a half. Did I guess right? 
That's exactly correct. Wow. Yes. I've got a knack for that because Kilborn and we got a couple right. Anyway, our guest today, we're very excited. We've been planning this for months. Yeah. Our guest, he happened to grow up in the same town as Goldie, which is crazy. I'm sure they'll be talking about that later. Oh. He's one of the best comedians out there. His show, Crashing, uh, on HBO that went for three seasons, was criminally underrated. And I think the best ever document of what stand-up is actually like. You know how sometimes you watch shows about stand-up and you're like, that's not what it's like? Well, when I watched Crashing, I was like, that is what it's like. He yes. always makes me laugh. He's very generous for being here. He has a way bigger podcast than ours called <laughs> You Made It Weird. Let's welcome Mr. Pete Holmes. Pete, Yay. welcome. Thank oh, you. thank you. You know, I'll tell you to open, thank you for having me. Of course. I'll tell you the um, my favorite Johnny Carson joke of all time. Please. Please do. I think about it all the time. Is uh, he goes? You know, you guys have a, a sign that lights up that says applause. I have one facing me that says feign humility, <laughs> <laughs> and that is That's that is great. it's one of the greatest showbiz jokes. Especially if you are a comedian, you know how important it is. I'm not saying to feign humility, but yeah, you know what? I'm yeah. going to own it. Sometimes you do feign humility, or you feign pleasure you feign that you're having yeah. a good time even of when course. you're not because it's your job in fact there was there was a set that i've been regretting lately and i'm like the mistake not regretting I, everyone there i'm sure loved it it was it was like a me issue but i got off stage and i was like i didn't have enough fun and i didn't smile enough so i could use the sign that says like feign humility <laughs> would be also for me smile don't forget to be grateful that they're even there listening to yeah. you. Listen to you. Listen yeah. to your like goodness and appreciation no, of life. Here I'm going to it's actually it's like the problem was I was I was at Montreal doing like 3 4 shows a day and that's not really a natural state. I feel super like I'm coming down from it like an astronaut. You know how they, yeah. the astronauts they go in a bunker for a few weeks after they right. come back from space. And that's sort of how I feel right now. It's not a natural place to be in that many knife fights. You know? yeah, <laughs> like, right. A knife fight should be every once in a while right. here in an abandoned subway that's with your you, gang. That, is that what you could call a stand-up set is a knife fight, basically? It's, it's, it's a very friendly knife fight with, to <laughs> with, toy, with toy knives. But and like, laughter. But that well, it's really real. interesting... That you know, I we both did stand up for a while. And do you go by how you felt when you did the set? Like you're you're always waiting for your internal state to oh. match up to some platonic ideal in your head of like how I should be feeling right now when I'm being funny. And there's this disconnect, this duality that you don't feel. And then you judge the set by that. But then you yes. also say like no one could see that. So what I difference does it make? I I'm instantly in love with you. What you just said is exactly <laughs> awesome. So on the money, platonic love. Platonic. So I think it's it's bordering. It's bordering. I'm not I'm not going to cross the border, but know that I'm on the other side of you, a very you, meager fence. You are, you are wearing a very deep V-neck today. I don't know if that was planned. Is, this, is the video being released? No, not really. Okay. Plunging. Social media asset. It is a plunge. Um, but but you you really just said something that's exactly what I'm going through, and I've been doing stand up for over 20 years, and I, I still every time I take um, 
a psychedelic, and this is embarrassing, but in my life, when I would take psychedelics, I would almost always have the same revelation, which is that everybody's having their own experience. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that seems so obvious, (laughs) but when you're having such an extreme experience and no one can tell, I I, I even mean like a low dose, like, but you're just kind of having this very like unitive consciousness moment or whatever it may be. Maybe you're just laughing a lot and feeling ecstasy. Right. You look at other people and they just think you're a guy standing at a music festival. (laughs) And and that's always so funny to me is everybody's having their own trip. And as a, as a comedian, as, uh, and with similar, you know, wounds that comedians often have where you want to control how people feel often starts in childhood. Mm -hmm. Um, you, the older I get, the more I realize that that's sort of a preposterous endeavor. And, and I can't even control how I feel. So yeah. that's what I love what you're saying is I have to tell myself just because I didn't get the good feeling doesn't mean love and, and service and, and comedy wasn't exchanged. Like you just didn't get yeah. high from it. Like how, how narcissistic and how selfish is that? Yeah. You know? Do you have like, kids? It, did, it didn't get me off. It's <laughs> funny that you asked that I have kids. That's what's helping me recalibrate is yeah. I can take my daughter to the park and I'm having, you know, maybe I'm tired or there's a yes. million things I need to do, but she's having a great time. Yes. This is why I would never tell, knowing comedians, I would never tell them to have kids. But I would say that is <laughs> it has certainly been the solution to a lot of my self-obsession, which is self-obsession. I, I don't mean to get too lofty, but it's like right. when you think of yourself as a self, as, as part of a member of a happening called reality, that is the cause of all suffering. So being special is actually very close to being in pain. Oh. When yeah. when it's going your oh. way, you're like, I'm the shiny boy. But shining <laughs> is defined by their light being directed at you. So it's it, by definition, you're separate. Yes. But it's getting mixed into the soup is where wow. we all know this. That's the most profound thing anyone's I know. Yeah. podcast. Yeah. Yeah. This is why we all love far. summer camp, why we yes. all love really living in the dorms in college, all of this forced community. And now all we do is we go around like a bunch of Daniel Plainviews amassing wealth and, and, and isolating ourselves, even though we have pieces of art like There Will Be Blood that tell us over and over that that's, as David Lee Roth said, it's a tomb with a view. Your mansion is a tomb with a view. Oh. Wow. Right? God, how, I love Crazy you... from the Heat, by the way. I just want to plug that book if you can read, not the album. The book. Oh, I, th- I thought you were just saying you love No, Van the Halen. book. <laughs> David Lee Roth wrote this incredible book that's like insanely good and so much better than you would think it would be. I that believe that. The first concert I ever went to at the Worcester Centrum was that's David Lee Roth's Crazy from the awesome. Heat tour. Wow. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, he came, I thought you were going to say Van Halen. No, David Lee Roth's <laughs> Solo, crazy from the heat, he came oh, over the audience on a giant surfboard, and everybody went nuts. Oh, wow. kind of fun! <laughs> yeah. Remember when cool was cool? That that was yes. my. I, I talked uh, uh, Val about this all the time. I had another friend that we used to laugh about this all the time. In the '90s, cool was cool, yeah. like riding on a surfboard in a crowd is was cool. cool. And yeah. now. If you're looking like you're trying to be cool, obviously I'm not breaking any new ground here. That's not cool. But in the 90s, Richard Gere, (laughs) leaning on a Corvette in a trench coat with his sunglasses on the tip of his nose going like, 
you ready to go? Like that was cool. But if someone did that now, you would be like, what were you just sitting here waiting for me to come out? Like how long have you been here? Like what is with that trench coat? How clean is that trench coat? But there was a time when just being cool was cool. And now, now not being cool is is way cooler. Like Timothy Chalamet is not trying to be cool. Like, like all of those guys are just like, Oh, was I, was I sexy in Dune? Whoops. You know what I mean? Right. But Richard Gere was just like looking in the mirror going like, you're sexy. You're sexy. You're cool. He was going you're cool. You you're cool. cool. You're you cool. look cool in sunglasses. Put them on. You look cool. Ray-Bans. Classic yeah. Ray-Bans. Yeah. Oh, God. Those are still cool. IMO, as they say on tech. Uh-huh. Those are still cool. IMO. Um, so now, Pete, I mentioned this earlier. You grew up in Lexington, Massachusetts. Yes, I did. Birthplace of the American Revolution. Exactly. You're Shot welcome. around the world. <laughs> so That's right. uh, one one of the other podcast members here today grew up in Lexington, Massachusetts, and that is one Mr. Goldie. Yeah. Yes. So you have that in common. You have the Yangtze River, that uh, t- the oh two uh, two theater movie theater right there in town. Well, there's I, that, I worked at that theater. The so Lexington did my brother. <gasps> yeah, wow. there's still. There. I don't think it's still there. But I Did drew a, a comic, a comic strip of, I still remember it, because when you would work there, a lot of old people would come in, and it was very confusing. It's a two-screen theater, mm-hmm. and they would, and this is what the strip is, basically. By it's the way, like, the screens are the size of TVs now. Yeah. <laughs> the screens are microscopic. Not even TVs at Ludacris's house, just regular TVs. <laughs> yeah. Just like, like good It's like a 60-inch screen. I went on my first date at the Lexington Flick. Me too. No yes, way. You've talked yeah. about what if that, it was yeah. the movie Shine? No, because you're you're significantly younger than we are. Yeah, so yeah, you are. my first date well, was Well, maybe two- you just didn't start dating until later. <laughs> <laughs> right. You went on your first date in that 1996. No, like I saw I the I saw The Gods Must Be Crazy with oh. Michelle Newman. Oh and, wow. And Michelle's mother hovering in the dark behind <laughs> us. Oh wow. <laughs> Downstairs or upstairs? Don't remember. Okay. Mine was downstairs. Yeah, um, but, but so wait, you drew you drew a comic strip. Somewhere. Okay, so it goes like this: I say like, uh, the, there's an old person which I'm sure I drew in a way like Mad Magazine offensive, yeah. like old <laughs> spot marks and yep. like just near death. I don't even know if it would be okay now. And I say, and I'm sure I made myself handsome and great and thin. I was like, uh, how can I help you? And they say, um, two, please. And this would happen every night. And I would say, what movie? And they'd go, seniors. And I'd go, oh. for what movie? And they'd go, two seniors. And I'd go, uh. I think that's where the strip ends. But like, <laughs> and I'd go like $14. Or it was probably less than that. It was probably like $12. Um, yeah. But that would happen all the time. You could figure out which movie they were going to. It was, oh, of course. It was of the course. old person movie. Yeah, one, one theater's <laughs> Highlander 2, and the other one is Remains yeah. of the Day. It's like, yeah. I know where yeah. you're going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're not here to see the opposite of sex. <laughs> right. um, but that comic strip, I went back and visited. It's funny the things that as a comedian matter. I guess it's just novelty. You're looking for novelty. If you get a certain type of praise, meaning people tell you that they think you're funny, you want something strange. It's like it's almost yeah. like Hugh Hefner has to be into something strange sexually. <laughs> yeah. Because right. I don't mean illegal. I just mean like he he's like, put my slippers on your ears or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just uh, which is basically what a Playboy bunny is. It's true. But I I liked that my comic 
like 10 years after I had worked there was still up in the office. That oh. was a credit. That's that awesome. I was like, but I, I think the, then the next time I was there, they were like, who? And they thought it was Ike Barinholtz. I thought you were going to say it was Ike Barinholtz. <laughs> I thought you were going to say it was designated a historic landmark, like the shot heard around the world. There was a yes. plaque underneath your comic. You know, not far from the shot heard around the world. I, I mean, know. you could hit it with a Frisbee from the Lexington. <laughs> you could hit it, as Brody Stevens would say, with a wet nerf. Oh, <laughs> my God, a wet um, nerf. Did you uh, frequent Wallex? Wallex, I did. Uh, I, I, in fact, I have a joke right now about how when I was in junior high, it never occurred to me that girls might have liked me. Um, and every yeah. comedian, of course, can relate to that. But like, yeah. now when I look back, I'm like, oh, I really had this thing where I thought girls were like, were like unicorns or maybe princesses, but, but really like unicorn is better. Like not even human, just like <laughs> you yeah. could never... Yeah. Get possibly not to, real. Yeah, it, yeah, not even real. Not for you. Yeah. Um, meaning, and I also had like a almost. I know Woody Allen is a complex person, but that level of neuroses, a Woody Allen level, where I was like, "What am I? What am I going to do? Like, if I ask them out, like, where? I don't have a car. Like, I don't. I don't have money. Like, I had that." Yeah, comedian we were brain. Raised in the same lab. Like, I'm just curious what street you grew up on because we it, it's it's insane. We're, we're cut from the same cloth. Yeah, yeah. How similar. Yeah. You guys. Well, are. you already ripped a thought right from my heart, not just my <laughs> head, but from my heart. So I remember. In fact, I would diagnose that as like the first true comedic thought I had. I don't mean it's funny. I mean it belongs in the mind of a comedian. Is I'd watch Saved by the Bell. There's no Max, the Max. I didn't have the Max. And even if there was a the Max, I didn't have money. I couldn't. How are we all going to get there? Are our parents going to drop us at Bertucci's? And we're going to, you know what I mean? Like, and then I, I really even was like this. What are we going to do? Make out? Like, <laughs> play it out. Like, where do you think this is going? I swear to you, I had an almost adult level understanding that we were children i was like i don't yeah. want to kiss another child i don't want to be kissed it <laughs> seems weird i probably just hadn't really developed and that's, you know and that's where mean? that's where you and woody part ways all right <laughs> <laughs> oh my god it was right there it was right there i know it's a dark joke but man we need to laugh at our shadows right that is so funny Anyway, this all comes back to Wallex, but Wallex. feel free to interrupt. There, no, I was I was going to say that there was a girl who came over my house to do homework, <laughs> and then we were in my basement, and she's like, you seem tense. Can I give you a massage? And I'm like, uh, okay. And then she's like, well, you can take off your shirt. And I was like, uh, okay. And then she's like sitting on my back massaging me, and I'm thinking... Yeah, but I wonder if she likes me, though. I mean, it would probably be really weird if I tried to kiss her. So yeah. I didn't. Yeah. That is, that is, I, I, this whole thing, I, I don't know how to make this work on stage because it always works in the wrong way. But I declined the first blowjob I was offered um, because I was like. Casey at the bat. I literally said. Let's keep let's keep things where we're at. And I was like a sophomore in college. It wasn't because like were was, you in your mind like if she does that, then we're gonna have to be married. 
Yeah. Because she's going to fall too in love wow, with me. And then so... I, I don't know if I want this. It was, was more, the... it was more religious. Like I, okay. I didn't want to, at that point, I didn't want to do anything except with my wife. And I, I wasn't going to be in everything but Christian, meaning you have everything Sometimes literally, but like you would do everything <laughs> um, as if that would fool any God worth believing in. So I was trying to keep myself pure. There's something magical about unboxing. When you unbox BritBox, you uncover a world of British entertainment. Stream the UK's most brilliant series, including new and upcoming seasons of Shetland, Father Brown and Death in Paradise. Plus new originals like Payback, Irving Welsh's Crime and Archie, the story of Hollywood's greatest leading man, Cary Grant. Unbox BritBox and escape to the best of British TV. Stream with a free trial at BritBox.com. Ready to elevate your home? Picture this. Central heating, a cozy fireplace, or your dream walk-in closet. Build a backyard oasis, go green with solar panels, or start a business. It's all possible with Figure's Home Equity line of credit. Unlock up to $400,000. Apply online in five minutes. Funding in as little as five days. Head to figure.com and transform your home. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. <laughs> and, but then like the first time after my divorce, and this, this made it on crashing, and it ended up being incredibly timely, but it wasn't, uh, as you guys know, you work in TV, you can't address uh, current events in a show you shot six months ago. Yeah. Right. But it just so happened that crashing aired the second season, I'm about to have sex for the first time since my divorce. And in real life, the first time I had sex after my divorce, like you, I was so inexperienced um, that we were literally, I think we were in our underwear and basically, I don't mean to be crass, but like grinding yeah. and sure. everything was... You know, on. and this was this person was a little bit older than me, and I felt like she was more experienced than me. Everybody was. I'd only been with one person, and I was like, I still said, "Do you want to have sex?" And she laughed <laughs> and said, "All signs point to yes." I'll never forget oh, it. <laughs> so we put. I know she she was funny, and she yeah. said, "All signs point to yes." And then I think we probably attempted to have sex. It took me so long <laughs> to, to actually get there. But anyway, oh, that so made sweet. the show. Yeah. We put that. It is really sweet. We put that moment in crashing, and everybody was not everybody. A half dozen people <laughs> mentioned to me, like that's everyone. That's everybody I know, right? That's how the human brain works. You ever? My dad will be like, a lot of firefighters have uh, red hats, like red baseball caps. I think it's like their helmets. He saw one firefighter, yeah. Yeah, like, and it becomes advice. Yep. Um, but a few people mentioned, like in reviews and stuff, like how we were addressing consent, and we were, you know, but we yeah. weren't in the way that they. We couldn't have been doing it in the way they thought we were. Right. right. It just happened to time out in a way where everyone was talking about that issue at the moment yes. that it came out. And it was like, here's an example of what to do. Thank you, Pete <laughs> Holmes. You Cheers right. to Pete right. Holmes <laughs> right. crashing. Yeah. Right, right. But that this is what I can't make work as a bit because it, I often get people agreeing with me in, the, in sort of the wrong way. And I, and I don't even know how to say it clearly enough. But there's something about cancel culture that is very familiar to me because it feels like fundamentalism. It, I'm not I'm not calling it fundamentalism 
So please, this is not shots fired. I understand accountability. I understand justice. All of that. I'm not not trying to give people a pass for horrible behavior. Full stop. End of conversation. I'm just saying it reminds me of when I was growing up, like being constantly afraid that that I was going to get got or something like and yeah. then i saw yeah. that happening in comedy was yeah. like you were gonna am get i a canceled. dirty boy like you're gonna I, get canceled by god basically and, and then yes. I, I really can't make it work that that's exactly right alec i was yeah. like i grew up being worried that i'd be canceled and that meant hell like but that was the right. ultimate hell is being ostracized disconnected right yeah. from the community and that right. is Again, I'm not trying to say anybody, you know, you don't I'm not have trying to, to say anything really. You don't have to, you don't I just have moonwalk to, away. you don't have to <laughs> tiptoe on here because you know how your podcast has lots of listeners. Well, this one has far fewer, so you can just say whatever you want. <laughs> well, you were one of the guests that helped build that listenership. So I remember false that humility will not play here, sir. Fame, yeah, humility. what happened? What happened to that Fame. guy? Where'd he go? <laughs> that guy. Well, Where are so, you, Alec? Did you leave L.A.? I did, and now I mean the the Al Pacino thing. They're they're pulling me back in because we're going back to in person work actually next week. So I've For had a lovely two plus years here on Cape Cod. You oh, know Cape Cod, oh yeah. So I'm uh, here in the sea breezes, and Goldie and his family were here for a while, so uh, we had a great time here. But and we now felt very welcome for 80% of our time there. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm going to say the first 80. <laughs> Wait, what happened? <laughs> no, no, nothing happened. They were, they were great. You guys were he awesome just, they, they clearly wanted us gone. And so we left. Oh, Jesus. The, after, don't. After saying stay the as Hollywood long as you like. folk. If someone <laughs> says stay as long as you oh, like. I can't believe if this is real. <laughs> this if is someone great. says stay as long as you like. Don't. <laughs> By the way, if somebody invites you to live with them with their whole family, don't go. Oh wait. Oh, <laughs> you have mean I been back? Goldie, no. Alec Will I made ever you be feel. back? No. <laughs> yes. No. Alec oh, invited you, and for eighty percent, you felt welcome. It, he's making that up for comedic. Effect. I thought you the meant whole, by, by Cape Cod. I thought this oh. was like oh, no. coded. They don't like show business people or something. <laughs> well, no, no Cape no, Cod. No, 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 every no. time I go back to Massachusetts, I feel less and less a part of it, and I sort of, I almost. We are like strange brothers. I kind this is of weird. I kind of hate it now. Like I, I went from loving it to now. I just kind of don't like it. My mom is still there, so I go back. Um, if she moved out here. I don't know how much I'd ever be back. We, right. we 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 relate. I had to reclaim Boston because let me put it this way. It when I talk about Boston, I'm not talking about Boston. I'm talking about a collection of projections from my youth that yeah, I impose yes. on Boston. Sure. And actually fear are still hiding behind the Sitco sign. Like and they swarm <laughs> on me <laughs> when, when I when I get back. And so I've never been to Boston and I'm also incapable of going to Boston. I know people that go to Boston and and they go to the restaurants and they see Fenway and all that. I don't see Fenway. I, I, I see strange, vaguely traumatic trips right. to Fenway, right. and you know what I mean. And, and that's not even my dad was my parents, but I would go with my dad. My dad was not like hitting me or anything like that. I just mean like I was scared. I was just like a frightened child. There, it was the fucking eighties at Fenway Park with, yeah. and and yeah. people are drunk. And I'm yes. a very sensitive 
person is something yeah. that I figured it's, out. It's all Logan Airport. <laughs> Boston is all the airport. <laughs> everyone's attitudes. Everyone's. I actually like lived at Terminal Seven C. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah oh, you were one airport. of the Seven C kids. <laughs> yeah. Oh, pretty, oh it, it was a fancy, nice terminal. We had an all bon pan. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but to the good bread. But I, I've never. <laughs> I've never been there. But then when I would start doing shows there, I used to do an annual show. I actually have a, a real fondness for this time. I'd do a Thanksgiving show at the Paradise. Oh, and that's when, I think I maybe did it four or five times. And when I would do it and I would shit on Boston in front of like three, well, I don't know, 200, 300 people. And they would love it. They were they with me. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, there's a whole generation of these, I'm calling us this, I'm not saying it as an insult, soft, sensitive uh, kids who never feel comfortable driving on Sturro Drive, who don't care about <laughs> oh, sports. Yeah. We're the MIT kids. I'm not saying I couldn't go to MIT, but I just mean we're the weirdos that yeah. belong right. at the Quaker schools in Cambridge, which I went to, not at uh, triple O's or, you know, the L Street Tavern or whatever. Well, but so I thought you went to LHS, though. You didn't go to Lexington? I did, yeah. And that, okay. and, and that, was a, that was a big deal for me because that was seeing... That was the beginning... Sorry, I feel like I'm talking too much, but like <laughs> the, <more>. first, yeah. <laughs> the first <laughs> decision I made, the first thought I had that I was a comedian was... What are we gonna date? That was that was my comedy. <laughs> yeah. the The first decision I made that really, and I sound like an old man, but it set the standard and it set the precedent and the trajectory to do what was necessary to be a comedian, like the work and the places you have to go, was going to Lexington High School, and I don't know what came over me, but I went to a private grade school, K through eight, and then my brother went to a private high school as well. And that was probably what was on offer for me. But I, at the time I said, look, I see that the family is often stressed out about money. Again, I, I, I don't know how I pieced that together, probably heard some arguments, felt some tension. And right. I, and my best friend was going there to LHS. So I, like a little politician or like a little showman was like, dad, I'm going to go to Lexington high school with Ern, my best friend. And I'm going to put less strain on the house. Like, like, who is this? Right. What am I, little JFK? I was like, right. I understand <laughs> that things are tied in the household, and it's time for me to put the burden on my city. Lexington can educate me. It's a fine program. And you, my father, have worked hard enough. I swear I talked like that. Like, I was a little so, worried. Look, it, I will go to one of the best school systems in the country. If yeah, it will help I'll take this that family. hit. I'll take <laughs> exactly. that hit. By the way, on, on this podcast, you could, you've now discovered that Bob Dylan and JFK have interesting voices. <laughs> <laughs> so we're breaking that info here. I have a joke, by the way, that would have made a great Family Guy cutaway because it doesn't work in my act. Let's but hear I go, this, it. this is my impression of Bob Dylan before he had ever performed. Yeah. And he's just in his apartment in Greenwich Village and he's getting ready to go to his first show. <laughs> <laughs> okay, he's like, I got my guitar. Okay, check. I got my music. Got my lyrics. These are great. These are great lyrics. Um, but before I head out, I'm just going to give it a go. It never works. I think it's so funny that he the first time he tries, he goes, ah, fuck. It kills me. 
Like, that's the. Uh, by the way, we're stealing that. We're stealing that for free. If that was on you, Family Guy, you I, will see I that would, on Family Guy. That's a I perfect Family you. Guy joke. To save you. that joke on Family Guy. <laughs> that know, is very funny. I always do this to you, Alec, but like my current favorite Family Guy and has been for years, it's not every pizza place, which I think it was last time we spoke. You know, That's right. Hello, that's right. Yeah, every, every pizza, pizza place. place. Yeah. Um, you put it on the on top of the pizza so it's nice and hot. And <laughs> yeah. you know it's a great feeling in life when you go on YouTube and you realize you're not the only one obsessed with just that joke. And yes. it has like 28 million views. And you're <laughs> That's like, right. I'm not the only one typing in Family Guy every pizza place. <laughs> like, nope, 28 million people wanted to just see that 40 right. seconds. Right. But my favorite is, um, I think Brian says like, I, I, I can only understand part of what you're saying, like how you only understand the last three words Sting ever sings. Oh, and he's yeah. going, fields of gold. It's exactly right. And and it it doesn't it's almost a false premise, but it's also not. And right. then he calls it back and he goes, brand new day. And I was like, I've never That's, wanted to steal way, a that, joke more. That joke is 100% John Viner, who is not asked to be a part of this podcast. But he, uh, it does a, he did the sting Doesn't voice. Doesn't feel necessary to say that. We like to highlight that whenever it's we bring up his name. <laughs> but uh, he, uh, he does a great thing he used to do this very childish thing uh in his act when he first started because he knew his sting impersonation was funny but he was like a very young comedian so it's like how can i use this and it was like sting as a rabbi at a bar mitzvah and he just he goes giant checks are what you get when you are a jew (laughs) how how did that not make the show that is so you know how i i'm assuming you do how it's right on the line like there's the line and and family guy will take a a box cutter and just run down the line yes and often go over it let's be honest but that's yeah talk about novelty when i'm watching family guy it's almost because i'm i I think it's i love it and i'm also i let's be honest you're watching it to be shocked you're like i I, i'm just so tired of right of of, Of of playing ball i'm I'm tired of (laughs) pitches over the plate i want to see the batter get hit it's like it's like being honest about nascar i'd like to see a crash and 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 then like i pause it i was watching uh the recent episodes and i like pause i have val come in i'm like look what they look what they did and i'm like can we just admit I don't know why I'm preaching, but like part of <laughs> the function of art sometimes is to feel like a slice of ham in your shoe. Like it's, it, <laughs> we actually want like a strange, maybe offended, maybe disgusted, maybe disturbed. I feel yeah. like they understood that. And I'm not trying to offend every joke that's ever been made. I understand. No. I get offended. There's, there's things that I'll agree, but everybody has different standards. But like I, f- I sort of envy that in the '60s and '70s, I always cite Maria Abramovich, when like you would pay good money to walk into an all-white room, and she was there covered in pig's blood, naked, and she'd throw her own shit at you, and you would leave, <laughs> That's and hot. like would go to like 
the Olive Tree Cafe and smoke cigarettes and be like, I don't know why, but that reminded me of my mother. And I'd start to cry. Are, like, are our dreams any yeah. indication of how this whole fucking thing works? Meaning when our unconscious wants to get at us, it doesn't play by the rules. It goes like, here's your dad's dick. Here's your dad's dick. And, and like... As artists, I'm not saying we should put our dad's dicks, but like, and we should have taste and all of that sort of stuff. But like, isn't it funny that we're not making this up? Our dreams are setting a precedent for how to communicate to the parts of our psyches that are hardest to reach. And they're yeah. like, it's through image. It's through, yeah. it's through shock. It's through yes. awe. It's, it's through, it, it's not just from you know, happy, happy, joy, joy, fun times. It's yes. actually funny to mention Ren and Stimpy because Ren and Stimpy actually, and SpongeBob do a good job of zooming in on a zit and being like, and my daughter loves it. She's four and she loves it. I think it's because she's close to the, to the in-between. She's close to the realm yeah. of everything yeah. where yes. she just was. And right. I think kids resonate with that because they're like, I'm from a place as we all are where everything was happening at the same time. Oh, I, one of my theories is that like people who are a year and a half old see the dead. Oh. Sure. Yeah, like that, my daughter was definitely doing some like witchy stuff. My youngest yeah. is, was definitely th in touch with like, she would just say things about like my dad who died years ago, like things about my dad to me. And I'm like, where are you getting that? And she's yeah. like, wow. I just, I just think he loved you. And it's like, what? Oh, Why have you God. been holding that in your back pocket? I know, on that's podcast? amazing. We've run out yeah. of shit to talk about. I'm like 30. I was waiting until I up. did a solo podcast. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. You know, you with, the sting guy, with the sting okay. guy. You're right. Oh, Viner. Um, oh, Viner, yeah. <laughs> I would hilarious. say, we just saw you. We have footage of you getting the idea. Um, <laughs> this podcast just becomes Alec in a room blowing out candles. Um, and it's massively By the way, popular. He wouldn't be able to do that, the condition of his lungs. Oh, right. <laughs> the candles would win. I'm, I'm the I'm the Nina Blackwood of this podcast. Are you a smoker? Well I'm a vapor now. Oh okay. so I'm much healthier. I always I always but think yes, I for a while. It's funny. Does do you know is this telling tales out of school? Does Seth still smoke? No, he he does I mean he occasionally does, but he's always like a you know, 10 o'clock on Saturday night and I'll awkwardly hold a cigarette that shows you I don't smoke regularly. <laughs> like he, the, That's what he does? No, Seth. Yes. Yeah. When Seth would smoke a cigarette, it would be like the German soldier. It's like in between the wrong two fingers. <laughs> and you're like, oh yeah, you don't Sweet. smoke very often. Oh, I thought he was a, like, I always thought he was a famous smoker. Like he loves smoking. I think that he does it on stage to sort of evoke be that like Frank Sinatra, Sinatra thing. But yeah. he, he, you know, I think he used to occasionally, like when and he was around other people that smoked would kind of zelig it into through a few cigarettes but yeah. i don't think that he he smokes in any real way okay because yeah. i i watch i love the orville and yeah, there was an nice. episode what don't you love <laughs> I, you know i actually hate everything okay <laughs> and, and people don't know that about me and and, I, and, I and it. it's, it's actually funny going back goldie to what you said about like or what we were talking about inner realities and outer realities and I'm a great beneficiary of this outer reality that looks like a golden retriever. You know, it's just like <laughs> I have this happy thing. But, you know, my wife knows I, I want, especially comedy, I, I, I just don't want to watch it. I, yeah. I found, like, I'll give you an example. I found issue with only murders in the building, which is by admission, 
like a perfect show. Like I really watch it and I go like, these performances are perfect. Even Selena Gomez, who I like to make fun of because yeah. Martin Short is so, they're just so of their generation. Martin Short just like hits his mark and finds yeah. his yeah. light and he's like, there's going to burn her in the building. <laughs> yeah. And Stephen's like, whoa, we better go look for clues. And then Selena Gomez is like, yeah, and she's the most popular of the three. This is just, by far, this is just an indication of how out of touch and how much I'm a 43 year old dad. So, (laughs) but like my criticism of only murders, and this is really just to show how insane or not insane. That's too interesting, but just how hard to please I can be is I'm like, it's like a perfect little box of candy. And if that's what you want is a perfect little box of candy, then that's a great show. But, but I tend to, I don't know. I don't know what I'm looking for, but yeah. it's not what the algorithm's churning out. And it, and it's often not like a perfect shave. I kind of want, it's actually, I want the things that I'm most uncomfortable about myself. Like when I'm mm. on stage and I have like a little bit of a, uh, like a snap or like I turn on the audience or something, I'll feel guilt about it for a week. But when I watch another comedian do it, it's I'll give best. it a standing ovation. Oh, it's yeah. the best. That's yeah. why I'll be like, that lo- was true. That yeah. was true. Like, that's why, that, that's why we loved Brody, honestly, yeah. as a comic, because yeah. he snapped every show and it was hilarious. He did snap every show. <laughs> every show. The perfect Brody Stevens line was he comes out and he says, I hate you first. <laughs> that, yes. I love that. That is brilliant. You know what That's I say so to audiences? Great. I go, you guys are doing pretty good. You're judging me. I'm judging you. And I <laughs> yeah. love being rough with them, but I don't yeah. know what's going on. I had a theory for a while that this is going to sound absurd, but I started lifting weights. You certainly can't tell, but like it upped my <laughs> testosterone no. and that's what it does. Oh. And I noticed I was behaving differently on stage. And without getting into it, I found that deeply humbling. As much as we think we have personalities, we're really more like cubes of tofu. There's some (laughs) things that are really in there, but we're interpreting chemical signals. And and that's one of the reasons why I actually need Maria Abramovich covered in pig's blood throwing shit at me. I don't really need people that, that truly love everything and have never looked at someone's face and thought, I don't know why, but I want to punch you. Like <laughs> that, that is of service to me. Like a, like a beautiful, kind looking person. And you just have a flare up of what Poe called right. the imp of the perverse. You have a perverse drive because guess what? You are the last in line of millions of years of pretty fucked up and strange evolution and we put khakis on it and a polo but like <laughs> you can't get away from the fact that sometimes you're just like you know i want to drop kick a dog off a cliff like yeah. well you don't do it but this is this is so funny that you bring this up because <laughs> in preparation for today um i rewatched uh part of your uh di- what was it dirty clean dirty dirty clean uh, yeah dirty clean the the your stand-up special from like four or five years ago and you open with that, God, that joke is so great and it is so relatable and it makes me ashamed. And, and, and just in the way that you were talking about, like you like to watch something that is kind of like makes you uncomfortable because it's so real. When yeah. you did that whole setup about like, 
Well, you know, you get a baby and people are telling you like, well, don't shake the baby, you know, yeah, like, hey, yeah. don't you, you know, yeah. you're thinking what kind of psychopath, what is this idiot thinking? I'm not going to shake this baby. And you go, the secret is you you're going to want to shake a baby. Yeah. But what they don't <laughs> tell you is you're going to want to shake that baby. <laughs> yes. And oh my God. I laughed so hard at that. I really appreciate that. And I, I don't mean to go on too much of a tear here, but of what service am I to humanity? This confusing soup. If you don't perform that joke that you're fully aware here that's actually you're laying I hope yourself this is out interesting. there you're putting it yourself is. out there but i'm also going to say something weirder i'm offended by that joke now here's why we have feelings like i i understand why people would shake this baby Let, let's say that's what you feel as you're on a yoga ball bouncing a newborn <laughs> and you go oh i see why they said that because there's yes. this, like, yeah. it's even in the joke, like, jostling is okay, but where do you cross the line from a jostle to a shake, you know? Yes. yes. This is why there's signs everywhere in the maternity ward. Remember, don't shake the baby, don't shake the baby, yeah. don't shake the baby. <laughs> so that is, that is like a, one of the rare public admissions. You have a shadow, you have an animal side, you're a primate, uh, you're going to be frustrated, you're, you're not going to be yourself. Talk about being a block of tofu. You're going to have stress hormones, you're going to have fear hormones, and you are going to be stress and fear and all of these things, and, and don't act on it. Here's a reminder, and here's another reminder. Yes. But now that I have a four-year-old, almost a four-year-old, she's before next month, you, I am now, I have now become the person that would be, not today, but would be potentially offended by that joke. Meaning, I happened to tape that special when my baby was four weeks old, or, or, or maybe t 10, 12 weeks old. And thank God I did, because when my baby was two months old, I never would have told that joke. Right. Because right. I'd be like, for shame, that's not funny. Babies get damaged. That's, that you shouldn't make a joke about that. <laughs> but I was delirious enough and sleep-deprived enough and honest enough and again, not to be too self-important, but I think that's all of our jobs, not just not just comedians. It's everybody's job as a as a human being to get honest and find the other people that are comfortable with your level of honesty and explore and explore those feelings in a safe way. It's a shame that we oh, so many of us have to go to therapy because you have to pay someone to be like, you know, I wanted to shake my baby. When when there's a there's a platinum level of friendship that you can get to, and every comedian knows this. There's nothing I couldn't tell Mike Birbiglia that I felt or thought because yeah. he's just going to say me too. And right. I think my wife is the same way with her girlfriends. But men men struggle a little bit more, and oh, so we, we hire therapists. Very well said. <laughs> well, everything everything. I mean, listen that that special was great, and that joke is particularly, as I told you, hilarious, made me uncomfortable, but feel just like a, an explosion of reaction, which I think is what you were kind of talking about. It's like, I felt something, which was yeah. great. Yeah, yeah. And you surrounded it. And just to talk about writing for a minute, because I noticed that you surrounded that joke with some very well-written language about the actual moments of falling asleep. I think you called it like falling over the caramel waterfall or being yeah. like yeah. stirred into an iced tea as sugar. Yeah. And so that, I mean, that's like really nice prose. Like that's a yeah. really nice and descriptive way of flowering up your already funny joke. So I guess my question is, as a writer, 
do you sit down and say like, okay, I have this funny thing, which I'm going to talk about, shake the baby and, and, and how you really only care about actually falling asleep. And then you say, do you say to yourself, I really want to write that, like I want to pour some real writing into this as opposed mm. to just like getting the funny thought out there. It's, it's important to me that it sounds a certain way. Is that something you spend a lot of time on? You know, I think it's a great question. I, I'm always hesitant to say this because new comedians, I think, uh, meaning what I did as a new comedian and what I recommend for new comedians. So many people just want to jump to Bill Burr and oh, just write from stage. Um, but now that I, you know, when I filmed that special, I was about 20 years into stand up, and you would know, like when I was talking to you guys earlier, right? When cool was cool. That's yes. just in me. It's just an idea that I have, and uh, I know it. You know what I mean? I, I don't write down funny things anymore. I write down things that I'm like, I know how I feel about this. So much so that if you put me in front of, I was just doing Montreal. There was probably 700, 800 people in the room, wow. and I'm open micing it. But it's because if you know how you feel about it, it, meaning you're passionate about it, you don't have to sit at the computer. I, we're in my office right now. I don't sit here and write stand-up. What I do is I record my sets and I fervently, after my sets, write down things like Caramel Waterfall or um, Stir right. Into Iced Tea, all of these uh, stuff. But um, So from a, a techni technical perspective, then, how much of your act is ever written down like you have a set list presumably you know shaken baby is yeah. shaken baby does that exist in a word file where it's like here's a brain dump on shaken baby with Let's bullet look. points or is it literally like in your head memorized like i say caramel waterfall i say iced tea i say shaken baby i say or are these parts fungible and you're as you're on stage in the moment going my my brain's hooking up with iced tea that'll go there Shaking baby based on the reaction. It doesn't. It doesn't really. Okay, so because I'm in my de at my desk, I just searched my computer for shake a baby, which means I'm on a list now. But yeah. <laughs> um, what came up was nine twenty nine eighteen Largo. People focus on the negative with babies. I don't MP three. I don't even know what that is. Falling asleep, breastfeeding. I don't even remember having a joke about breastfeeding. So it's like. Uh, October 5th, uh, Largo, 2018, falling asleep, best part of sleep. People warn you about kids. Unregulated corporation. So these things exist. <laughs> My biggest uh, fault as a comedian is there's nothing harder to do than to get myself to listen to my own stand-up and write it down. That's so true. So I've said this on my own podcast where I'm like, if you come see me, like... If there's a Thursday show, that's going to be my favorite show, the first show of the weekend. But it's also going to be the show where I'm trying to remember the joke. Mm -hmm. And yes. then Friday, it's just going to be a tighter show. So if you want to see me really being a human being, still doing well. I'm not saying it's a bad show. It's it, I Come said it's Thursday. my favorite show. But on Friday... There's just like, it's like Morse code. It's like, it's just coming in. Like, I remember the bit. I need one to get right. going. One and that's certainly that. true for Montreal. And, you know, Montreal, there's all this industry and stuff. You'd think that would motivate me to listen to it. 
but you almost get superstitious. You really have to weigh which is more beneficial to you going on stage tonight, which is a daunting and frightening task, no matter how long you've been doing it. Your, your body does not understand what's happening. It thinks it's in physical danger. It's fight or flight. It's a very strange, adrenalizing, and, uh, and also wonderful sensation. But you have to weigh on, on, on a scale. On one hand, you have listening to my sets and jotting down notes. Okay, that without a doubt would be super, super beneficial because I hate getting off stage and going, I forgot. (laughs) Like, I'll get, I know the line I forgot because I won't forget it for months now. I have this joke about pot, but it opens where I go, I don't do a lot of drugs. I'm usually the guy that can't tell when other people are on drugs. I'm the guy who leaves a party and goes, Who was that sweaty, confident man? Right? (laughs) It gets this big line. And I just forgot it. I, so I, I acted out more, but I go, he was a real go-getter, right? <laughs> and then it goes in, and it's just so much better with that joke, and I forgot it, and I was mad. And if I had listened to my sets, I wouldn't have forgotten it. Mm. But on the other side of the scale, and this is more nuanced and, and certainly more subtle, how valuable is it to actually believe and have your actions reflect that you are a badass motherfucker that doesn't need to prepare? And I know that sounds insane, but they're sixes to me. They're about the same. If I, if I humble myself and listen to my sets and take down notes, I'm also unconsciously admitting to myself, this is something worthy of preparation. If I go up on stage like the Kool-Aid man, which is another great family guy cutaway. Yeah. But if I go up like <laughs> the Kool-Aid man and go like, oh, fuck you, this is not a job. I am funny and I am inviting you to join me and co-create with me a show that will never exist again, whether or not I, and, and, and this is the real voice of my confidence. And if I forget a line, that's the show. Like this right. show is the one where I forgot that line. And then I swing back to try and get it almost like Robin yeah. Williams. And, and now you get to see me flail and maybe my tail is on fire and my little barren airplane. And, and even if a, if, if a joke bombs, my truest, purest white light confidence will say, that's the show. You're welcome. Deal with that. I'm here to delight you in all sorts of ways you didn't even expect. Not just, I'm going to use nerd voice, knowing my lines and <laughs> but like, you know, when it comes time to tape a special, I think you got to learn them. Yeah. But you got to do it a couple of weeks out. Cause you don't want to be doing those notes the day of the show. You, yeah. no. you want to look at a document, but anyway, here's the longest answer ever. When I'm really mm-hmm. touring and when I will tour again, getting ready to tape the special, I will have a word document with each thing and in the most important thing, it might not have every word of it, but it'll have in bold the very important things. Don't forget these things, like like a spoonful of sugar being stirred into lemon, into iced tea. That will right. be in bold. And I'll look at it before I go on stage. Okay. Well, now, nice. okay, so you dropped in there that you are going to be doing another special. Is that going to be for HBO as well? Buddy, you know, I sure hope so. Well, they, they I, should, by the way. I think they, listen, wherever wherever your special lands, it will make a lot of people laugh. But let me talk while we're oh, you on did, that you, That wasn't a stressful question for me. You're just talking to somebody who has no idea you, what's going you, on in the market. Yeah, you, you did seem very stressed there. So I'm going <laughs> to move on from that. But Only I, 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 I And I've, talk, I've talked massage. about this. I've talked about this before <laughs> on this podcast. I think Crashing was such a great show. I think you did a fantastic job acting in that and I, you know, writing it and and everything about that show to me 
was I, because I'm sure you've had this experience when you watch movies and or TV shows that are about stand-up comedy, they're almost always way off and offensively bad. Yeah. Especially if you've done stand-up before, you're like, why are these guys in a fucking locker room? You know, I, it's just like whatever I, is I going on. I didn't even like Joker. I was like, what is this yeah, I know. lounge? It, <laughs> yeah, it's all way off. Whereas Crashing, and again, I just rewatched the pilot, so when you first do a set in Crashing, it, Goldie, it's unbelievable how similar Pete's first set is in Crashing to actual Gladys's. Oh, I, like, yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, yeah the, even the yeah, setup familiar. looks the same. And just the way that you're, you're telling decent jokes to titters. Yeah. You know, it's like, you're, and, and you played very well a comic who is not quite there yet with himself, but yeah. clearly has something, you know, inside to say. I, I want to know, like, did you, you, obviously you've, you've felt proud of that show, as you should have. I was disappointed when that show was canceled. I'm sure you were. Did they offer any kind of reasoning? Did they say, like, well, it's just not happening and, and sorry, yeah. kid? Or Because I really felt that that show was on its way to, to, to building towards, like, Emmy buzz kind of stuff. Oh, and thanks, man. And you'll appreciate this as a writer by, by the third oh, season. Oh, now he's frozen on that compliment. Technical difficulties. Please stand by. <laughs> Oh, I love that, JC. Thank you. Guys, dedicated Ethernet line. Dedicated. All right, so I anyway, mean, I was I was just blowing crashing and I wanted no, to know I your, heard all your, of it. your experience in terms of like when that ended, how what was the feeling there? I mean, I, I, three seasons of a show is a huge accomplishment. At this especially point, in this that's like age. friggin' bonanza to do three yeah. seasons. Yeah. yeah. Judd has a very funny stand-up joke where he goes, like, everything's so good, and he's like, Of course it's good. You only do ten. He's like <laughs> right. mashed at 88 a season or whatever it is, you know. Right. He has a lot of great bits about TV. And that's Judd a- Apatow who co-created that with you and yes. directed a lot of it. Yes. Yeah. He has a great bit about like, there's so many things I don't know what to watch. I'm subscribed to like eight streamers. And he's like, if only there was some way to pay one fee for all of the streamers <laughs> and you could just sort of flip around and see what's on and we could connect it with some sort of cable. And I was like, that is so funny. Um, anyway, I, I started to say, you'll appreciate this as writers is the third season of crashing. I think was the best was because I was finally starting to learn to trust the writers. Like, like Judah Miller um, was the showrunner, and they were just, they had figured out the show. They were doing great work. And it, it wasn't by any means something. I Somebody told me something. They were like, John Stewart rewrites every episode of The Daily Show. I always thought that meant the show was broken. Like, uncon- like I never told anybody that. I was like, shouldn't the writers be putting out perfect drafts that we can just right. do? And my friend, Oren, who worked at The Daily Show, was like, John never didn't rewrite it. And Judd actually said to me, the writer's job is to give you something that makes you think of something. And I was like, wow. Not always. And not on every show. Sure. There's a lot of word perfect shows, but this show was about my life. So if they said it and it was a little off, I would just twist it a little bit. If it was something I was saying or my mom was saying, of course, I'm going to have to twist it. They don't know how she talks or whatever it may be. Um, But they really, all of the writers, Greg Fitzsimmons and, and Jamie Lee and... Yoni Weinberg, our great writer's assistant who wrote on the third season. I'm forgetting some people, obviously, but of course. Beth Stelling. Really great, Solomon. Uh, anyway, great writers. Um, 
I was sitting right here when the show got canceled. And because I wasn't quite, it was, it was a hard show to make. And we had a feeling that the show was gonna, and by hard, I don't mean difficult. There's a difference between difficult. Difficult is like, no one gets along and, and we're always getting notes or, yeah. or whatever. I just mean, it was emotionally draining for me. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I would say this, if Judd was in the room, it's, it's an interesting situation when you, I, I would joke that I don't, I didn't have double O status. I needed to run it by Judd. Sure. Yeah. And that's, that's just how it is. Double O status for people who don't know means you, you can't kill. You're not allowed yeah. to execute. You can't say no. And I can't mm-hmm. say hard. Yes. So right. by the third season, I was a little bit, um, just disheartened by the fact that I, and, and in everyone's defense, I never really complained about this. I just accepted it as my fate and other yeah. people have been like, why didn't you just say something? Yeah. And, and But my feeling was it's Judd Apatow. He changed the show in a way that I think he made it successful. I think he made it work. Anytime we came to a crossroads and he voted, his instincts were always more interesting and, and funnier and more dynamic. So I, But it created a situation where I was beholden to him as as i should be as i yeah. should have what, been. what what would you have can i ask like do you remember any specific of somewhere where you and judd departed because it, it would seem to me if i if you were in that situation now now that i'm almost 50 my instinct would be okay if i were 15 years younger i would go judd is a god judd has done so much who am i to question the great judd apatow so if he says something i'll fall in line now that i'm almost 50 i would go Judd was looking for ideas. He didn't have one. He came to me. I had a better idea. I generated this thing. I appreciate his help getting it made. But you know what? I'm the guy who knows, and I'm going to leverage him. And I bet, you know, the way your age lines up with that, I bet you were getting to the beginning of that at the end. And it's, I, by the way, have been railroaded in everything I've ever been involved with. I've never (laughs) stood up for myself to my extreme regret. And and it's like now it's like the anger comes pouring out of me. But I'm wondering, like, because I think your show would have been more interesting than Judd Apatow's show, knowing you and knowing him. That's interesting. I'll just say flat out. Well, you know, there, there was a very formative experience when I was a kid and I was waiting in line to get on a roller coaster somewhere in New England. So it was probably New Hampshire or something. You had to be tall enough. I, I certainly was tall enough. <laughs> and you know what? That might actually even feed into it was maybe I was too young, but I was tall enough. And yeah. my brother, who is two years older than me, would be getting on the ride fearlessly. And I, again, very consciously, like it was yesterday, remember realizing a very sort of duplicitous but socially beneficial revelation, which is, I'm afraid to get on this roller coaster. I know my brother's going to talk me into going on this roller coaster. So I might as well look brave. I might as well pretend to be cool like Richard Gere mm-hmm. and just keep my <laughs> mouth shut and, and just uh, assume that he talked me into it without it happening and then I'll look cool. So that, that was like a strange... Wow. Social coping technique that I learned, which is like, if you're afraid or uncomfortable, avoid the confrontation and and just sort of mirror and go along with it. 
I'll give you two examples, one of which will illustrate why I did defer to Judd and why he earned my trust, not just with um, what he had made, but with what we were making. But then I'll give you a, a more fun one that he knows I disagree with him on. Um, and I, okay. I, I still am a little, I'm not a big regret person, but I do have a little bit like, I wish I had dug my heels in. And he knows that. But the good one is that the one that shows you why I trusted Judd and still trust Judd was I wrote an episode where Pete is going up at the Boston Comedy Club, which was a really rough place. Oh, I know. Um, And all of the comedians said, you know, they said the hard C word. Um, It was normal. Like every other set, someone was saying the hard C word, the hard F word, and I don't mean fuck. Like weird shit. And I don't even mean in a good way or like a cool Lenny Bruce way. I just, a lot of it was just lazy, bad comedy. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I'm not saying I was brilliant, but I was clean. So I was sticking out. And I was like, okay, so my parents are in town. Let's have them do something that happens on TV, but doesn't often really happen in real life. We're going to have them go to see Pete. And I was like, I, I feel like my character is getting kicked in the balls so much. Let's throw him a bone. His mom will say, you were funny. Like, you did a great job. Um, because, nice. But there's the horror that she has to sit through Jason, the club owner, talking about whatever, cum gutters yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's also, yeah. as a writer, I would go, another comic comes up after and goes, oh, that's who you want as your audience? Your fucking mom? Great job. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <Nice>. exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's honestly Pete's problem in a nutshell is that he's still trying to do comedy that his mother, I, I would even say that his mommy would like. Right. Yeah. And that was something I had to overcome. Um, and I think that's a death that we all have to, not to sound too much like Joseph Campbell, but there is a death. You have to die to your innocence and you have to be reborn yeah. as a grown up. Right, right, like your mom's dead. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that's we said that on here before. That's like advi- famous advice. Like, right, is like it? I've never yeah. heard it. Yeah. yeah. Right, right, like, like your, your mom's dead is dead. brilliant. Yeah. I I like Anne Lamott. If they wanted us to speak better of them, they should have behaved better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, please continue because I feel like we derailed. No, 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 you didn't derail. I'm feeling story. clear today, and and because I have good levels of anxiety. Or as Melanie used to call it, free cocaine. Anxiety was our free cocaine. Um, I know with what he's going through, that might not be in the best taste, but this was 20 years ago. Again, nobody's listening. Okay, Okay, I just don't want people to think I'm making fun of his addiction. He did say that to me, and I still think of it. No, 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 it's a nice Okay, um, my pitch was that she doesn't like Jason and she likes Pete. And honestly, in that case, I'm a little uh, self-serving. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's when people write, movies about their life and they have them say what they wish they had said or whatever. Right, right. And Judges had a very interesting, he would always turn the screw just not even 10 degrees, but it was always an important 10 degrees. And he said, or your mom didn't like your set and she liked Jason because at least Jason had something to say. And I was like, okay, that's not what would happen. My mom would have said, Petey, sweetie, you're the gift of this place. You're the light of this place. Those other people were just awful. I'm so sorry you have to be here, but at least, my precious boy, you're so talented. And she would have hugged me. Was your mother Zsa Zsa Gabor? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. In a sparkly dress with a little too low of a, of a V-neck. Um, 
But I thought that was right on because entertainment so often comes down to surprise. And now that I know that, like you would have seen my mom being like, you're no. a good boy coming. You disagree? You were right. No, you were right. I was right. Emotionally, it's so much more satisfying for someone struggling to finally get their mother to I'm say, here, "You're in every writer's room I'm in from now you, on." <laughs> you have my blessing. Then this fucking guy who's an ancillary character you don't care about—it's totally unrealistic. Anyone's mom would go for that. So as an audience, you're not going to feel it. Whereas, like, I was almost welling up when you were telling me about <laughs> yeah. your mom dragging herself to this filthy fucking neighborhood and telling you, hey, I haven't seen it to this point, and now I'm, a, I'm well, fucking tearing up. You have something. Yeah. That's fucking real yeah. emotion that everyone wants to hear that. No That's... one wants to watch something and see their mom like some other guy. <laughs> That's <laughs> fucking absurd. <laughs> Well, Fuck you, you Judd. Know, get out of here. You're not going to like it because... Go back I, to set. I, you're not allowed in here. I always would pitch these moments. Okay, so season two opens. Season, end, season one ends where Pete and Allie break up. And that is the relationship that I don't ultimately think works for them, but it, it's, a, it's the right relationship for them now. And Pete is now um, back from the road. He has longer hair. Because he, he was just road mode, like an assassin. He has a dumb, cool guy jacket that he thinks he can pull off because he's been the king of Iowa City. And he goes up at the cellar and he eats shit. He realizes that he has what we call too much road on him. Um, you, you're not interesting anymore. Um, and he does badly. And that is 100% the story that I pitched and, and I, I wrote and I liked it. And every, we all wrote. But that was my desire. Right. But I had it that Allie... So Pete's getting kicked in the balls the entire episode. And Goldie, I know you're going to love this because I know your heart now. <laughs> but at least his girlfriend, his ex-girlfriend, who secretly... They, they still secretly love each other. I don't know if it's romantic, but they care about each other. She says, whether or not it was a good... She, I don't think she says it was a good set, but she says something encouraging to him. Yeah. Something beautiful. Yeah. That Pete gets this little breadcrumb yes. that that even though New York City will kick you over and over and over and over at your lowest moment, and this is how I see the universe working, there's an unexpected morsel of love given to you. That And that's everyone that starts in comedy knows that anyone that's still doing comedy was lucky enough to get those morsels yeah. where you're just cherished for a second, just a second. Someone's tender to you just for a second. Yep. And uh, Judd was on set that day and he said, or Pete's on tilt and they have a fight. And that's what we did. <laughs> oh, oh no. wow. And, and it was hard oh. for me to do. I, I really wanted, because I love Jamie, Jamie Lee, who plays Allie. There's real love there. And that's one of the reasons why she and I worked on camera, I think, or I believe, is because we really do love each other. So it's like you would feel this, I, I was in those scenes, there were two things happening. I was myself making a TV show, not a bad set, but the stress of making a TV show. And there's my actual friend who actually loves me telling me to hang in there. It's like, right. you know, art yeah. imitating life. And But forget yes. that. It's just a hack for acting. I can receive it and have real emotion on camera. And and instead it turned into, like, I don't even remember the fight, <laughs> but it was really... It was like uh, there was, and again, 
uh, Jed will not hear this, but I, it's not just <laughs> loyalty and it's not just, um, I agree with the highest ranking executive in the room, which is a family guy joke. <laughs> it's, right. not, <laughs> it's not just that. Um, crashing was a real experiment in control. And, and I, I made a, a decision to have a sensei. I made a decision yes. to have a guru. And if you like Zen, you know that z- stories of Zen are, are filled with gurus making them do absurd things that they would never want to break them. Was that, Artie Lang a part of that? <laughs> like, because I what, love him from, you know, uh, all his Howard Stern, that stuff. I would get to work at Kilbourne and stay in my car. Yeah. To finish listening yeah, to him. And you'd I, be late. And so yeah. I, I loved those episodes. I loved the way you used him. I can only, and I'm not trying to get like, give me a good Artie story, but I'm, I'm wondering like you take that piece of talent on and then your job is getting that person to camera and the, the use of him I thought was well, great. Uh, okay, but so it is something, a test. I'm glad yeah. Goldie, because here we are. We're back. Uh, if it's a scoreboard, we're back one for Judd on your scoreboard because the pilot I wrote for Crashing, I rewrote it six times. It's one of my, I was really in my fighting weight for, for writing. Yeah. And yeah. you guys know what that's like when I'm just, barely. I was invincible. No, <laughs> yeah, barely know it. But, but I, I, I can still bang out a pilot. I'm very proud. I'm a very fast writer and I can do it very quickly. But that was a time when not only would I write the pilot quickly, I would rewrite it quickly so, and, and it would change completely. And I wrote it six times. That means I wrote a lot. six 40-page pilots before we even settled on the one wow. that we sold. And they weren't small changes. They were completely different because I would change the guest, not the guest, but I would change who Pete was crashing with. Yeah. And I remember there was one with Hannibal and he's having, he's going to have a three-way and Pete's awkwardly ruining it for him. There was one with Amy Schumer and um, they girl out, like they, they lean into feminine energy. You know, he's recently divorced and, and, and Pete realizes that he misses the type of warmth that you get from like sleepover energy. Right. Um, I don't even remember what the first one was. There was Kumail probably, but it wasn't until Judd cast Artie. He said it yeah. should be Artie. But that's who it would be in real life. That's the only person who would really put up with it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And it was the only salty enough to my suite. It was the right amount of damage. Judd said... The scene in the pizza place is like Pete's talking to the ghost of Christmas future. Like right. here's a kid that thinks comedy is going to, and by the way, I'm not one of these people that's like, it's going to chew you up and spit you out. I think comedy is a wonderful vehicle for a life well lived. And you can't believe that the audience loves you, but you can use it as a, as a means to learn to love yourself and to love your wow. feelings and to love your thoughts and all that sort of stuff. But anyway, so I don't think it necessarily chews you up and spits you out. But here's a guy coming into comedy and really believing it's going to fix him and solve him. And Artie's going like, watch out. Sometimes you're trying to buy cocaine in between scenes at Mad TV or whatever. So Judd was absolutely right. But now, Goldie, one third one where this is the one where I'm like, I still... If you want to laugh, you can listen to the DVD commentary. You'll have to buy a DVD player first, but you can listen to the DVD Blu-ray commentary of the last season of Crashing. And Judd and I are watching the finale. And we, again, like I said, we had a real feeling that the finale was going to be our series finale. So we were trying to tie up loose ends. 
And Pete goes up again at the cellar. So he bombs in the first one and he comes back in the finale and he does well. And we shot that a bunch of different ways. That's one of Judd's big things is shoot alts, not just joke alts, but emotional alts. Shoot one where it's good, shoot one where it's bad, shoot one where you do a joke, shoot one where you're riffing. And we did a take, guys, I'm a little, like I have that like French, there's gotta be a word in French for it, where I'm like sad and it sort of feels like like a cut. <laughs> no, yeah. yeah. Um, it's a regret d'esprit. regret Yeah, it might be just nostalgia. I, I get that yeah. from Mad Men. We all love Mad Men, where he goes. It, it comes from yeah. a word that means a wound, yeah. the mm-hmm. memory of a wound. And I'm, I'm, I'm almost I'm emotional remembering it. But I, and it's also a little bit of an ego trip though, because I riffed it. So it's hard to separate that, and that's what you need a good EP for, a good a co-creator for, is he can see it objectively, but. I still think it would have been better with this. Pete goes up, and obviously he's religious the whole time. And I riffed this thing about belief, about how none of us know what's going on. And how I... I love this already. I I know. and, and, And how I miss the me that had answers. And I'm, I'm afraid, and I'm alone, but at least we're together. Like we're on this rock in space and it's so confusing, but at least we're here together sort of thing. And I made it funny. I told a story about how I, and this is true. I saw this kid walking out of like Superman, one of the Superman movies. And he said to his dad, he goes, how did that man fly? And the dad didn't even think about it. He just said computers. And I was like, isn't that what we're doing? Computers isn't an answer. And God is not an answer. It's an invitation to dig deeper. It's the beginning. It's not the end. It's hard for me to even talk about this. It's so beautiful. And and I said all that and I made, it was like 11 AM in a hot room. You can't run the (laughs) AC. And there's these background actors who, in my experience, were notoriously hard to get going and, and act like a crowd. And you, it was like a, you could hear a pin drop. And I got off stage and my wife was crying and Judah mm. was crying. And it was just one of the most gorgeous things that had ever happened. And we fucking filmed it with three cameras on film. And we I'm put amazing. it in the episode. It's Pete, Pete gets passed at the cellar, not because he was funny, because he figured something out. And not only did I, I figure it out, I figured it out in real time on film. Like we filmed it. <laughs> Yeah, without planning it. Like that morning, I think I jotted down computers, like that story. Like I knew that would play into it. But it was really, really special. And we put it in the edit. And I'm embarrassed to admit this, but I said, my wife was there. Val would often come to the edit. She had great instincts, really a brilliant producer in the making. I'm not just saying that. Like she's got great instincts. And I said to the editor, I, I was like, this is the best thing we've ever done. And I know I've yielded <laughs> a lot, right? But I will, uh, I will fight to make sure this stays in there because we're all crying. You know, we, we right. watched it and we all cried. Yeah. And Judd comes in and he watched it and he um, summarily—it's not often you get to use the word summarily—goes, <laughs> yeah, uh, "Pete should uh, he should just kill. It's too long." <laughs> It stops the it stops the flow. Oh my god! It's such a good writer, uh, you know, p- power sharing story. It, it and so was, and you yielded. 
I I don't think I had an erection. This is a joke, but I don't think I had an <laughs> erection for three months after. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm yeah. kidding. But like, there was an emotional something, erection. There was some, and and Judd, he doesn't know exactly all of this, and he's my friend, and we love each other, and I love him, and I could tell him this, and he would go. He might even say like, "I'm sorry," and I. And I would he will never hear this. And, and uh, yeah, <laughs> and, but like, it was it was the last one. It was the last one. And I realized I didn't have it yet. I have a little bit more of my Pete Holmesiness, my my belief in myself. What's ironic is I got it because of Judd. You know what I mean? Yeah. So he right. gave it to me. Uh, so if he wounded me, he he turned around and gave me the sword that he wounded me with. There's a real, right. there's yeah. a mythical paradox to it. But Irony I sharpens irony. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> but I didn't, I didn't have it in the moment. And when I watch it, so I said it's a hoot. You can hear me fighting back emotion and probably nausea um, yeah. when I maybe even child of you know alcoholic sort of good boy mentioned that Judd wanted a different ending, and and I might have even been like, and this does work. And it does. Yeah. It just, and, and the reason Jed gave me was it's too evolved. He said it was too long and it broke the flow and no one wants to see that. You got to keep moving. A lot of his notes were because you have to keep moving. But he also said it's too evolved. Pete, there's nowhere for him to go. If he says that, and he was thinking of season four, there's nowhere for Pete to evolve to. He's reached his mini enlightenment and he will no longer need to grow. Um, But if we had both known that it was the last episode, maybe I could have said, but it's the last episode. It's done. Right. Let Pete finish. Yeah. Um, Right. That, oh, and we, that, I, that, I could not disagree with yeah. him more. I would say, <laughs> just make sure the lens caps aren't on the cameraman and get the fuck out of here. <laughs> because the way he could grow is you just come back and it's like, fuck, I was wrong that night. Like you just go. That's a moment. Yeah. I no, thought no. I had it solved no, and it yeah. squirmed out under my heel again. I'm and sure yes. there are great stories Season. of times when you when someone yeah. someone did finally imagine if I did say like I haven't done this in 4 years so you have to understand how much this means to me. I just never I didn't grow up in a family of of fighting like that. I I no, if it's I fight flight it's freeze hard. it was freeze. Yeah, um, but 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 by the way for season 4 just while we're pitching on it because I <laughs> I think in the moment if you say, no, 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 Judd, season four now, Pete is suddenly, as we begin the season, he's known now to other comics as like, hey, this is the comic who figured it out. And then Pete goes through season four thinking like, I I may have figured it out for a moment, but I'm a fraud. Like everybody's mm. coming to look to yeah, me for yeah. like this enlightened new guy who figured it out. And it's like, I did for a fleeting moment. Well, and it's now like I'm Mad just Men the same Pete. Where yeah. Don, I, I'm... Hugely influenced by Mad Men. In fact, if you ever watched Crashing with Me, I could point out when I'm doing John Hamm. Yeah, because I learned or or just ripped his some of his faces and stuff, and other actors. But um, yeah, when when Don Draper says to Roger Sterling, "What happened to your enlightenment?" and he goes, "It wore off." <laughs> yeah. As someone who's had absolute one hundred percent. I'm not saying this to brag, although let's be honest, of course my ego loves this. <laughs> so yes, it's bragging. <laughs> let's not be false. But I've had absolute moments of of what you'd call unitive 
consciousness. And then, you know, a few months later, I, I can't find the keys and I'm mad. Yeah. You know, or, or, You're or, back or, or you know, I don't, I, I have a, a, a Tesla now and there's a dash cam and I'm always like, man, I don't, I don't want the footage released or honestly, to be real, hackers don't waste your time because I, I just decidedly was like, stop doing that. Cause in my old car, I would just be like, fuck you, you fuck, you know, like just yeah, like yeah. that's yeah. where the demons totally. came out. And now yeah. I'm like, hello, Elon. Hello. <laughs> Good to be today? here. <laughs> Say hello to your kids for me. They keep growing by the day. Um, well, Pete, Jesus, we've, we've kept you here for a really long time. And, well, and I can tell you, you th- so this discussion was so great. I have never seen Goldie react to a guest in this way. You guys are kindred spirits. It yeah. was lovely yeah. to see that I, I want to say this man's a genius. Yeah. Like, as someone yeah. who's, who's met a lot of people and talked to a lot of you. Dude, you're a fucking genius of this, and I appreciate you coming on. I don't want to interrupt you, Alec. I'm sorry. But no. Like, he's operating. I hope people who listen to this appreciate the level you're operating on. Yeah. Yes. Uh, comedically. Because I, I certainly go, wow, my brain is like a fucking desiccated almond <laughs> to yours. like the serotonin must just be like flowing freely uh, and, uh, sad, sad and it was it was a pleasure sad i really appreciate that and i do want to say and i don't just want to like for real that i i, I take i received that and i love it it's not always like this i was excited to talk i love you alec i, I wanted to do the show i'm happy to do it so i get lit up and and you know talk you're, to the writers on crashing there were days where you're just like you know broken yeah. <laughs> You know, <laughs> of so, course. so shiny Pete is great or, or whatever. Um, but we're all a bunch of different versions of ourselves. And I'm glad, I'm glad this one showed up today. Cause he, I like him the best too. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, we love him. Just before yes. you get too high, you're never going to please Alec. And he's <laughs> sort of a Mr. Ripley and it's all part of a bigger scam. Uh, you know what it, is a no. career look at, goal? Wait, yeah. Look at his glasses. Did he used to wear those glasses? No. Who's been wearing these glasses? Uh, Oh, oh like yeah, this for guys. 10, 15 years. Oh, me. And then now, <laughs> slowly. These are from slowly. CVS. CVS readers, oh, my, my friend. I'm not even cool. CVS chic. I'm going to say two things. Yeah. One, please. I've always wanted to be somebody on Family This is fake. Don't take it as a real task. On Family Guy, who is made fun of, but then it's their real voice. Like, I think Andy Dick has done that and stuff. Yes. But they're like, <laughs> I haven't been this full of myself since Pete Holmes stayed at home and watched his own special or something. And it's <laughs> right, me, right. but it's like really me laughing. Yeah. My, like I, I always, I always look in the credits to see if it's that them. Is... And I'm always like, good for them. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. We had uh, uh, people who were particularly well known for that, so we made fun of Carrie Elways in a in a cutaway where Peter reads a letter that fan letter that he wrote to Carrie Elways, and one of the lines was like, you know, dear Carrie Elways, I know you're a Hollywood actor. I have a question: Are you still famous? Like, you know, and then it kind of just shit on him a little bit. Carrie Elways came in to the Family Guy writers' room the next week, having written his own return letter to peter and he read it for all the writers and we've since used him as like half a dozen parts on the show oh like my he, gosh he how wonderful so you make fun <laughs> yeah. of yourself on family guy you're in well i also googled it recently because i'm trying i'm chasing seth but i'm not asking for help I, i'm in touch with his folks and because i'm enjoying the oroville so much i was trying to get him on while i'm watching it i don't know if you know that feeling i'm like 
don't come on yes. in two months when I can't talk to you about <laughs> the the Cylon or whatever whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Kalon. See, I'm already forgetting Kalon. <laughs> but uh, I I had a Family Guy cutaway pitch where it's like the delicious way they fingerprint you in Candyland. And it cuts to it, and they have you hold a ice cream sandwich, and you know when you are in an ice cream, and, sandwich, and then they yes. press your fingers. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. but you're in jail in Candyland, and they give you ice cream sandwiches, and then they. It, as I'm saying it, I'm, I realize it's not funny enough to be a cutaway unless. <laughs> oh no! Unless Believe you me, make fun of how worse. stupid we've it is. Had, we've had way worse. Let's put it that way. <laughs> but here's the other uh, thing I want to say for the for the completists out there. Wallex bowling alley. I went. <laughs> Emily Bravo gave me a sip of her grape soda, and looking back, that was a flirt. Yes. And it just never occurred to me. She I thought she just cootie. wanted me to try grape soda. She knows I know grape soda. Yeah, <laughs> it's Why? in the title. You know what it tastes like. Yeah, that's uh, right. Yeah. It tells you <laughs> yeah. cola. You don't know what you're getting, but grape. Sure. <laughs> oh, that was a cootie she gave you. Well, yes. now Pete. Thank you. You've been very generous with your time. We appreciate it. Um, All right. So now let's get into a portion of the show we like to call Top Five. Top Five. Pete, that's us singing, by the way. Oh, of course it is. Like on uh, that thing you do where it's them clapping. Mm -hmm. Yes. I love that scene. (laughs) Of course. That's a... And uh, Chris Isaac, right, plays the producer who's like doing it all for them. Oh, Chris Oscar Isaac? This is worse than Chris Oscar Isaac. There you go. Family guy mine. All right, so JC, tell us the category again, because this was yours. Yes, it's top five swear words or phrases. Okay. Oh, man. I have a good one. Oh great! Okay, so Pete, do you want to do you want to go first, or do you just kind of want to hear some? And I just want to weigh in on yours. Okay. Yeah. Can I do that? That's great. But here's here's what I'm going to offer before you even influence me yeah. at all. Yeah. Okay. That my number one that <laughs> no one else says, it's part of why yeah. I like it, is um shit on a dick. I <laughs> I really think if shit on a dick was a catchphrase on Breaking Bad or something, people it would be would all over the place. Find the pleasure of shit on a dick. It's just so good. Um but I'm also a, a mammoth one. lover and I wish cocksucker wasn't kind of misogynistic and homophobic at the same time because yeah. you can't you can't beat the k sound cocksucker yeah. especially yeah. in a boss oh Boston yeah accent. fucking cocksucker fucking well, cocksucker let's not, let's not start bagging on uh, misogynistic and homophobic before we get to our list here <laughs> I know. we may be crossing both bridges yeah 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 right, let me jc do you want to start do you want to go last who, who i don't want to go last maybe goldie will go last since it's his next week is he's okay going to do the can, I, can i say something else alec Sure. I would argue that fuck you, fuck you is both misogynistic and homophobic. You know why? Why? Real quick. We, in this country, we don't respect things that get fucked. Uh, so when I say oh. fuck you, I'm actually saying you are the receiver. You receive yes. me. You're the deer that I eat, but you're also the thing that I you're fuck. You're bottom. And it's very like dismissive. It's like yes. I fuck and the emphasis is on what does the fucking and when you say, like Eleni Bruce beat us to this, but like there's something about we don't like things that receive or make space for things. 
physically, but also just emotionally. Like we find it very weak to be yeah, like, Jesus. how many, how many of your relatives in Boston go, Oh, and how did that make you feel? Like as if it's a joke <laughs> that you would right. receive me, that right. you would let me fuck you with my feelings. Like <laughs> that's such a, that's such a great point. And I love that your Boston accent requires you sticking your tongue through your teeth. A lot of Conan always says body. my, Peter, it's your father speaking. He always says, is your father Peter Griffin? He always says that. <laughs> That's great. So Sorry. he is aware of the show. All right. So I'll, I'll get us, I'll get us okay. started off here. And uh, I'll just start with a real, uh, you know, honoring my Jewish heritage here. I'm going to say number five, schmuck. It's kind of just a, it, 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 it's oh. a good one. It's, it's okay. serviceable. It's okay. a good McDonald's on the side of the highway when you're hungry. <laughs> schmuck. Yes. schmuck. Number four, great phrase, Jesus fucking Christ. Yes, I, I say yes. that all the time. And Pete, I know you're, uh, you know, you've had your own relationship with religion. Jesus fucking Christ just kind of it expresses such a, a state of dismay that I find I myself agree. in. As often. Garrison Keillor yeah. says, it filled filled a blank in my vocabulary. And when I allowed myself to say it, I also would add to it just Jesus is just so different from shit or fuck or yeah. Oh my I say goodness, that a lot. it's just yeah. wow, oh, Jesus. <laughs> Uh, all right, Garrison Keeler. Thank you for that. Was he the one who walked into the ocean? No, that was Spalding Gray. Sorry, I get those guys confused. All right, number three. And here you referred to this word earlier, the hard C word, cunt. Cunt. It's like, yeah. And honestly, one. HBO did a lot with this word because Deadwood, they had the character Al oh, Swearengen, who was the lead character. And he would often refer to the uh, women who worked in the brothel there as. <laughs> Loopy cunt, which oh, I always great. thought was funny. It's like Lovely. you're loopy cunt, and then That's... Uncle Ju- Uncle Junior on The Sopranos, oh, yes. when, when something bad would happen, he'd say, "Sisters cunt." Which was also oh funny. my god! <laughs> and there's also a terrible, like again, watching things to be offended in The Departed. Jack Nicholson said it was never hard for me to get. Uh, right. yeah. that's a tough and, that's yeah, it's a, a tough hard way one. to say that it's yeah. a hard it makes it sound like an item on the menu which right. is yeah. uh, we're all we're all feeling that jack yeah. and that was yeah. a riff i'm just kidding yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and judd wanted to take it out <laughs> he was right judd judd wanted to have jack getting his uh, chest hair waxed okay <laughs> number, <laughs> Can you number imagine? two <laughs> he slowly turns into christian slater <laughs> <laughs> number two for me is dipshit I love dipshits. Oh, that's it's that's a just, retro. Yeah. Yeah. I love just calling someone a dipshit is, is so great. dismissive. Fantastic. And number one, it's serviceable. Uh, it just, it gets you everywhere you want to be is fucking asshole. Okay. I think just, I, like I, I, and again, Pete, you referred to, you know, your Elon Musk uh, listening device. Like I, I say fucking asshole on the road. One, <laughs> the over under yep. is one and a half per times that I'm in the car. So yes. that's just. That's very that, so. That's my list. Uh, nice. JC, why don't it's you take it? Great list. Okay, so my number five. Um, it's not like a. This isn't a body shaming thing, but the term bitch tits. So it's <laughs> like. <laughs> Have you been I can't looking believe at photos that's your number five. <laughs> number five. Oh, we get top bitch tits. <laughs> I know it. <laughs> I love. Wait, just because you say it's not a body shaming thing, does that just make it so? Yeah, it just looks like sometimes I see it like fucking bitch tits or that guy's got a good set of bitch tits or, you know, it's (laughs) (laughs) so. Okay, uh, let's move on to number four. Okay, number four is twat. It's like that guy's a twat. Good across the pond. Twat is great, also very British. Yes, I 
I have a, like, also, British spot. people watched Deadwood and thought it was a PG-13 show. They didn't even <laughs> notice that it was bad. They were like, Mom, get in here. This cunt's saying cunt a lot. She's like, what the cunt are you saying? That's a family guy cutaway. <laughs> like, yeah, totally. let's, let's watch Swear Engine Swear again. It's like when they aired Deadwood in Great Britain and no one even thought it was dirty. Hey, Ma, get your... Oh, I won't even say it. I don't okay. want audio of me saying that. Number three is um, I guess I use this when you can't find a reason why somebody did something in particular. It's a, because um, they're a little bitch. Like I guess you can't just like they're a little because they're a little bitch. These are great. I really I think yeah. you're being very honest and little I, bitch. Is. She sure is. When you like, edit audio for a living and you yeah. have to listen to people all day, you yes. you must have the darkest. Little bitch is a knife yes. in your boot yes. that you forgot you had. And you're in a fight and you're on the ground and you're losing and then you go, you little bitch. I can cut this guy's ear off. Yes. Exactly. Wow. (laughs) I say this one on a nightly basis because I play a lot of uh, Call of Duty. And when when I murder somebody, I call them a shit cunt. (laughs) Fuck out of here, you shit cunt. So yes. Yours are so hard edged. <laughs> really this intense. is so extreme. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and then my number one, which is like, use this phrase responsibly. Because- Wait, can I guess? You fucking sulking. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. God damn it. <laughs> it's just. Sorry. Just fuck it. It's just the overall, oh, just okay. fuck yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. it's like. Fuck it. Yeah. It's I fuck took it. a test. An ADD test. I wanted to see if I have ADD. I'm actually going back today. And you have to hit the space bar every time there's an, uh, a letter on the screen, but not when there's an X. And I'm in a doctor's office, and I was just going, fuck, fuck my face, fuck you, <laughs> yes. fuck you, X, fuck it, over and over. Exactly. And, and the technician came in, his name's Parker, and he went, I hear it every day. <laughs> Every day. I, I've taken that test. I know that yeah. test. People cursing the machine. I, I had to. I had to. Great. Yeah. All right. Let's let's get to uh, uh, Goldie's it's, list. It's impossible list. to follow JC. Sorry. Yeah. I know. That Here was tough. <laughs> Number five is just, God damn it. Yeah. I yeah. love that. I love that. I, I, I'm pushing to get God damn it on Family Guy. And, and they oh, used we- God damn it. On a CBS, CBS on Sunday night at 8.30, somebody said, God damn it. Oh. And I'm like on a quest now because I love that word. And to have yeah. Peter say, God damn it, it just is in his vocabulary. God anyway. damn it. it yep. yeah. There it is. There it is. <laughs> yeah. When Seth retires, you got the part. Uh, there yeah, he is. Right. Maybe Stewie. <laughs> <There he> is. <laughs> uh, number four, a great way to describe a lot of situations. This is a pig fuck. <laughs> yes. Also, the best moment in the master. Excuse me. Excuse me. When he's interrupting Lancaster Dodd, he goes, pig fuck. You pig fuck. There's yeah. no curse. P.T. Anderson, hats off. Second ref in yes. this episode, by the way. Yeah, he's uh, the best. No better swear to show that you've lost your cool. <laughs> oh, I know, and he'd had in that moment. He just yeah. blew it all, and he yes. was sweating. By the way, and I'm sure you've noticed this if you're a fan of his and of that movie, that the title itself, to me, uh, refers to a man and his dog. Like, Joaquin Phoenix was like Philip Seymour Hoffman's dog. There was, oh, in yeah. fact, a scene where they the were master? playing on the lawn. Oh, like dogs. You know, yeah. I, yeah. I, I love that movie. That's interesting. And in the end, Sorry, he was Goldie. just a stray dog, though. Yep. No, no problem. <laughs> and coincidentally, number three is Dick Suck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, number two, 
Ass dick. <laughs> right, close fucking to ass dick. Shit on a dick. Close to it. And, and number yeah. one is I, which I say in my head all day, every day. You fucking fuck stick. Fuck off. <laughs> fuck, yes. fuck stick. Shawshank. <laughs> also, when yeah? you just refer uh, the guard, the mean guard calls. Oh um, yeah. Hey, fuck stick. He calls him fuck stick. Also, referring to a dick as a fuckstick is horrible. All of these are horrible. <laughs> yeah, they really yes. are. But they really fuckstick. And, and, and as Jack Nicholson showed us, when you're using them to refer to the body parts, they actually are. <laughs> yes. They're way worse. But like I'm proud uh, to introduce shit on a dick. I know I didn't do yes. five, but shit Love on a dick. That. Yeah, Love that. Goldie could write a song about that. So, all right. You know what? I want to close it quickly while Pete's still here. Let's end the show like we do every week on a high note. <laughs> <laughs> That's Tom Gamble and Max Pross, legendary writers who sang that for us. We love you for doing it. Yes, and Tom, I guess, will be with us next week, JC. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, so Tom, he's had two successful movie meetings, and he oh. wants to join us next week because he, he has some tips on pitching a movie idea. I love this. This is going to be no, this is going to be a big I joke, and I love tips. it. Tom Gamble's hilarious. So, Goldie, today I want to just pass the baton to you for a high note because I think we're all feeling the same high note. Yeah, I'd like to I, give you the opportunity to deliver. Well, for, for us to be joined by a guest of, uh, of Pete's stature and caliber and for them to deliver yeah. just a billion percent has, I think, lifted all of our games. <laughs> Absolutely. And, yeah. uh, it, an instant favorite episode. And I, I want to also, for those of you who... You know, I'm sure a lot more people listen to you than us, but you have a particular episode of your podcast where you talk to our old English teacher, Warren Brown. You had Mr. A, Brown? I had Mr. Brown for a no while. No wonder we're the same. No wonder you like me. He taught me <laughs> yes. how to think this way. So he, uh, he, it's a, it's a very interesting look if you enjoy this into someone who was very formative for both of yeah. us. And who has that old school eloquence, like he's a very entertaining speaker. And yes. His, his diction is insane. Yes. Like the, the words he uses and the way he expresses himself. His and, fuck stiction. Yeah. yeah. And so <laughs> for me, it's like, diction. I, I could talk to you endlessly. I hope we talk in the future. But it's, it's, it's like we just escaped from the same lab. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and to meet someone who did and... Buddy, and in when a way, I'll said, say like you, you, I'm the 1.0 version, and you're the 3.0 version. Oh, like <laughs> you've, you've done it so much better, but it's it's gratifying to meet someone who's gone through the same journey. Yeah, and I'm I can't wait to see what you do next. Well, well, yeah, next time I'm on, we'll we'll cover it. LHS more. I'd love to hear about your Mr. Brown experience, and also um, what a that's a great episode. That is what I would like to plug. Uh, is you made it weird. It's 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 the most important thing for me, and I love it. And uh, awesome. just check it's it out, and maybe podcast. check out Mr. Brown. Because you know why it's good to plug that one? Because people would skip that one. You know what I mean? They'll listen yeah. to Adam Sandler, and I'm, Adam Sandler was a was a good guest. But it's like Mr. Brown is like, would you like to have your heart filled? Like, would you like yeah. to remember what it's like to be in awe of the world and remember that you can create art yourself? And I. It was like inspiring and sort of beautiful, if I may. Um, so don't skip the 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 small guests; those are often yeah. the best ones. That's awesome, Pete Holmes. Thank you so much for being here. You made it weird as the podcast, Mister Brown Goldie. What do you got for us next week for top five? Uh, top five 
best or favorite prescription or non-prescription drugs? Oh, that's <laughs> dicey. That's dicey. I love it. I, I, can, can we do 10? Yes, <laughs> yeah. That's my first instinct. Wow. So not, not like, you know, hallucinogens, that sort of thing. These are pharmaceutical. Oh. Well, oh, you said prescription yes. or, or non-prescription. Non. Right, he but means not over illegal. The Oh, yeah, not, not illegal. illegal. I'm talking medicines. Okay. Hard to All beat right. a Ben Gay. I'm gonna say it. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Tiger bomb. <laughs> Tiger bomb. Yeah. Um, Mr. Pete Holmes, thank you so much thank for you. being so generous with your time, spending uh, a great hour and a half with us. We loved talking to you. Listen to his podcast. You made it weird. He's been doing it for a long time. It's fantastic. And seek out that Mr. Brown episode or the Alex Silken. Uh, that's it's like number even three. older. Gold, no, Goldie will argue with you there. Don't, don't <laughs> just go right to Mr. Brown. Oh, come on, I'll give it to you. I, I, bet you I bet you were good. It was 10 years ago. You were at your peak. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and to think my dad thinks you don't like me. All right. So hey, uh, I, I love you, but I, 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 God, do I love poking the bear. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm flattered that you'd call me a bear. Put it that way. Uh, Pete Holmes, thank you for being here. Thank Goldie, you. JC, thank you too for being awesome. Thank, thank you, you all for listening, and we will talk to you again next week. Thanks. Next week. <laughs> That was fun. <laughs> and it's fun right now.